One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Connecting to the big show. In three, two, one. Everybody just wants to be contented. Everyone wants to be happy. Right now is the most important moment. It's just so unfair on every child who doesn't have options. It's amazing how many unintelligent people look. They're all absolutely astonished at it. What is the matter with these people? We're the one for Cork and ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 0818 96 96 96. Extra WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The lines are live. Let's kickstart the conversation. This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96FM. Morning all. Wednesday. Warming up now towards the weekend. Some proper summer weather coming in for a proper summer weekend, just like we got last weekend. A glorious uh, summer's weekend ahead. They're, look, you'd be very worried about the severe temperatures they're experiencing in Europe at the moment. And, you know, climate change watchers and meteorologists and all that, very concerned about some of those extraordinary temperatures. The saying this morning, that in parts of Spain and Portugal last night, the temperature at night time, in the dead of night, the temperature never went below 26 degrees. That's very hot. That's too hot. That's impossible to sleep in, I imagine. But at the same time, we can have those concerns and still, I think, look forward to a nice summer's weekend here at home. It is possible to be worried about one and be happy about the other. I think it is too. We got a statement um, from Cork City Childcare. Remember yesterday morning we were talking about the Stepping Stones Preschool in Farinry that it's closing, uh, gone. And the children, having met their teachers and seen their new classrooms and enjoyed talking about all their plans, they've nowhere to go now in uh, end of uh, August. Well, we got a statement in from Cork City Childcare, and I'll bring you that. Uh, either this or the next. I haven't got a spot for it just yet, but we will We will come to it uh, during the morning. Uh, remind me. Uh, don't let me forget. First of all, though, and the more we look at it and the more logic, the more you think logically about it, the more you realise we are facing into a winter of extraordinary difficulty with regard to energy and particularly with regard to the gas that we use to heat our homes. Already uh, earlier this week talking to um, Kieran Cuff, the Green Party MEP, about the possibility of rationing of gas. Uh, he wasn't a yes or a no about it. He just said that the European Parliament was doing its best to make sure we didn't have to, but we have this pipeline from Germany to Russia uh, which is down at the moment. If it doesn't come back up, 
Germany will suck every sup of gas it can get because it's a huge user of gas and then we're all in trouble. And then yesterday I spoke to uh, David Stanton, uh, Cork East TD, and he was saying that this pipeline that's there from the Kinsale field. Kinsale field is depleted now but the pipeline is still there and he was saying we should make sure to leave it open so we could maybe bring gas and float gas tanks to that part of the field and then use the pipeline to bring it ashore. There are many ideas been thrown up but one thing is for sure we're going to be badly stuck for gas this winter. Dr. Paul Dean uh, is that the Euro, uh, UCC Environmental Research Institute. We've talked before. Paul, you are concerned, aren't you? Very concerned about the winter ahead with regard to gas especially. Good morning. Yeah, good morning, PJ. I am indeed. Look, we're, we're already in the midst of a very deep energy crisis in Ireland and right across Europe, PJ. And look, unfortunately, we're seeing it deepen at the moment. And as you mentioned there in the introduction, it's it's primarily being amplified at the moment now with this with this potential cutting off of a major pipeline coming from Russia into Germany. And Germany, as you said, are, are one of the largest consumers of natural gas in Europe, huge volumes of natural gas from Russia. And if that pipeline does not come back online, what that will do is drive prices, which are already at historically uh, 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 all-time highs. So it will increase those prices even higher. And the damage and the fallout for that is is the consequence for us here in Ireland, is that we will be, those, those highest prices will ripple across to us here in our shores and Ireland is a country uh, who use huge amounts of energy, huge amounts of natural gas, even though, you know, we, we like to think of ourselves as very green and very clean and but still 87%, over 87% of all our energy, PJ, is fossil fuel, uh, you know, and for a country that is so rich in clean resources and renewable resources and, and our potential to save energy, that's really disappointing. And when we break it down, PJ, into brass tacks, we're actually spending a million euros every hour in Ireland importing fossil fuels into our country. A million uh, euros? An hour. and gas and coal. A million euro an hour with the prices that they are at the moment, PJ. Like, isn't that incredible? You know, when you think about that, you know, when you think about how, you know, it's a beautiful sunshiny day today, we could be doing a lot more with solar, we could be doing a lot more uh, uh, with renewable energies, with clean energies, we could be doing a lot more to save energy, but we're still spending one million euros every single hour. It's leaving our shores, going into the pockets of companies abroad, um, and that is a terrible situation to be in for a country who uses huge amounts of energy and, and still produces so little, and, and that's why we're so exposed really PJ you know when you break it down to those levels um, we're massively reliant on our energy needs for other countries mm. um, uh, and we're very much kind of a bystander really, really in global energy markets because we really rely on others like the UK and like Norway uh, and then we're very much impacted by stuff that happens far away from our shores decisions mm. that are taken in, in, in boardrooms in Riyadh in Saudi Arabia in the Kremlin in London affect us and our pockets here in Ireland How did we get to be such a laggard then, Paul, did we just not? Did we miss the boat many years ago when we could have been doing this? In many ways, you know, energy has always been cheap. You know, it's easy in retrospect, looking back when you're in an energy crisis, it's always easy to look back and see where the, where the mistakes were made. But we lived through a period of the last 20, 25 years when energy was very cheap, when it was very reliable. And we just had a, an amnesia, I suppose, that we forgot how, how volatile and how insecure the world can be at times. You know, the last energy crisis that we had back in the 80s, I'm sure many of your listeners uh, will remember those times. That was a real wake-up call for Ireland at that time. And there was a huge push into develop our own energy 
resources. You know, at that time, they, we, we built the Money Point coal-fired power station. At that time, coal was plentiful and reliable, and 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 I suppose there wasn't the awareness of climate science that, that we have now, mm-hmm. the need to, to reduce our, our polluting emissions. Um, but, you know, social memory fades. We tend to take things for granted. We tend to forget things, uh, and, and, and that's really, I suppose, why we're in the situation that we are at the moment. Um, uh, we, 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 we don't produce a lot of our energy here in Ireland. We, we've had some success to a, a small degree yeah. with, uh, with, 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 uh, with wind energy in Ireland, about uh, just under about 40% of all our electricity um, over the course of a year, PJ, comes from wind. That's really good. But actually our cars, our homes, our factories, our, our, our schools, our hospitals are still massively reliant on oil and still massively reliant on gas, which is, which is, which is the core challenge. In terms of the euro in our wallet and the bill that drops on the mat every two months, what are we facing into for the winter, Paul? Yeah, so across the year, you know, the uh, the annual average electricity bill for most homeowners has almost doubled, you know, gone from about 1,100 euros a year to over 2,000 euros a year now for electricity. And you're kind of seeing the similar things in for driving and, you know, if, if you're, if you're, if you're someone who has to drive a lot for work, you're seeing your, 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 your monthly diesel bills or your monthly petrol bills gone up by 40%. Now, there is a small little glimmer of hope on the horizon, PJ, in terms of petrol and diesel. The, the, the geopolitics around petrol and diesel and the geopolitics around gas are not the same. It, the world is coming into a global recession. There's economies starting to slow down around the world. Uh, we're seeing China uh, experience the, the, uh, an economic slowdown in relation to COVID. Uh, these things actually reduce the demand for oil in the world, and that actually has a positive benefit in for um, for, for prices at the, at the petrol pump. So mm. we would expect actually in the next month month or two to see uh, prices of petrol and diesel drop below two euros a litre. Now we're seeing in some places, maybe in uh, ch- chatting to your researcher there before we come on some places in Cork already, yeah. are already below two euros a litre. The price so of the barrel, the Brent crude softening. went down last week. It went down way, way lower than it's been for a while. It is, and you know what we what we see in in in, in petrol pump pricing, PJ, we call it the, the the rocket and feather effect. The prices go up like a rocket, and they drop like a feather. Uh, right. And unfortunately, prices are always very slow to come down. And it's great to see some companies. And I'm uh, I'm up the country at the moment today now, and I'm seeing petrol prices around in some filling stations at one ninety nine as well. So it's great to see some um, uh, companies go ahead and deliver those price reductions to, to customers. That's important. It's needed for competition. So we would expect to see petrol and diesel prices softening over the over the coming months, and that's primarily. Linked to the, to, I suppose, a global economic slowdown and, and I suppose, yeah. recessionary effects kicking in uh, in Europe. But for natural gas, unfortunately, we'd expect them to stay high and remain higher. And uh, that's a real uh, kick in the wallet for, for mm. people for their home heating and for their electricity bills in Ireland. It's almost become a dirty word, Paul, to say Barry Rowe. Should we look again? Yeah. We need to look at everything. You know, we need to look at, at diversifying um, uh, uh, natural gas coming into Europe. You mentioned Kinsale. We need to look at gas storage. The, again, coming back to oil, the, the, the risks for oil aren't the same as mm. they are for natural gas. I think the real core challenge for Ireland is is natural gas because most of our natural gas, all of our natural gas comes in via pipeline. We have options in terms of flexibility for oil in terms of different shipments and different locations. So I think the real focus would have to be on natural gas 
and the options are there, PJ, again, looking at something like, you know, reopening Kinsale for gas storage. Yes. Uh, looking at reopening offshore exploration for natural gas around the Corrib region. Yeah. Uh, or, or, yeah, and if gas can be found off, uh, uh, off the coast of, uh, of Cork. Or it's looking at the, the possibility of having LNG terminals either yeah. in, in Cork or either in the Shannon area. We need to look at those options. And I know that environmentally people go, no, no, they shake their head. They go, well, no, we need to move away from fossil fuels. No one's taking that off the table. No one's saying, no one's saying we disagree with that. But in the time it'll take us to get fully sustainable and fully renewable. We've got this gap in between. We're going to need this stuff in real day-to-day yeah. things for, for yeah. the next foreseeable. 40% of our electricity coming from the wind is brilliant. Uh, we'd love to see 70% of it coming from the wind. But in the meantime, we need a heck of a lot of gas to make electricity. Yeah, and that's the point. That's a really important point to make. You know, yes, we do need to move away from fossil fuels, but it's going to take us at least two decades, you know, at a huge push, even if we look at... Do you think the, there are people, Paul, who don't accept that? Do you think there are people who just don't accept that argument um, and, and, and are living in this unrealistic space where they want us to stop using all fossil fuels now? Because that can't be done. No, look, and look, there's a world that we live in and there's worlds that we wished we lived in. In the world that we wished we lived in, we would love to tell listeners, look, it's very simple. We can just turn a switch and we can all switch on to renewables tomorrow. But the world that we do live in requires planning, permitting. It takes time, uh, you know, to replace a million euros of fossil fuels every hour with renewables will take one to two decades at least. Um, uh, so we will be moving away from fossil fuels, but it won't be zero. Even in the next 10 years, with the most ambitious climate plans that we have in Ireland, our consumption of natural gas will probably reduce by about a half. It won't go to zero. And during that transition period, and this is really important when we think about uh, climate change and we think about an energy transition and moving away from fossil fuels, it's not an abrupt stop. It's a transition. So we do need to prepare for that transition. And during that transition, we do need to look at where our natural gas comes from, where our oil comes from. And that's why it's really important to look at these options. But we do have to bear in mind as well, PJ, that yes, it will take time to move away from fossil fuels, but when we're thinking about things like exploring for offshore oil and gas off the coast of Cork or uh, reopening Kinsale, that will also take time. They will take two to three years as well. So the real exposure for us here in Ireland is really the upcoming winter. You know, if we can get through this winter, we'll probably have a lot of learnings. And the really important thing for for us all, for the government, for us as communities, is to look after the vulnerable. What's that Seamus Heaney line? Was it a Seamus Heaney line we all heard at the start of the pandemic? I may have the wrong author, but was it he said, if we can winter this, we can summer anywhere? Exactly, exactly. And, 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 you know, summertime is, you know, we tend to forget about energy during the summertime. Uh, you know, when the sun is shining, we're all outside, we're using very little electricity, uh, you know, and in many ways, we've learned a lot about how to use our car more sensibly because of COVID. Look, we're, we're staycationing, we're probably staying a bit more local rather than traveling. We, we, we've learned to, to kind of live a little bit less with, uh, with the car. But the real challenge is the upcoming winter uh, for keeping homes warm, for looking after the elderly, for looking after the young, keeping yeah. the hospitals. Uh, that's the big challenge. Okay, and a challenge it's going to be. Noel says energy was never cheap. I don't ever remember electricity, gas, or oil being cheap. I suppose that's a relative thing, isn't it, Paul? I mean, pre in lockdown, I can remember petrol being something like one thirty-five a litre. It almost dropped to one ten a litre actually two years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and electricity was very cheap. Uh, you know, we had relatively a situation. Speaking, relatively speaking. Uh, relatively speaking, yeah. Compared to today, uh, you know, it, it, it's increased. Uh, uh, you know, two, two yeah. to threefold. But, um, but, but we we did take it for granted. We didn't think about it. It became yeah. reliable. You know, even if we think about it ourselves, like when was the last time we had a power cut? Uh, I know. You know, I know. Uh, Can you see uh, us getting back down to one eighty, even a gallon? 
or a liter rather a liter I can, I can. It'll be linked to the global recession. Look, I think everybody knows a recession is on the cards. Uh, it's probably the worst kept secret uh, uh, around at the moment. There, we, we, we would see a slowdown, I guess, in the economy in Ireland. We would see a slowdown in the economy in Europe and globally. Things just can't maintain uh, at, at the current price level. Something has to give. And usually what gives first is the economy. Um, mm. uh, and what that translates into is less trucks driving, less planes flying. Uh, and that means that there's a bit more petrol and diesel go around and prices will come down. And lastly, do you know when they say, and they do, well, these companies, and it's true, companies are making extraordinary profits, like, you know, electricity generation, gas generation, making extraordinary profits, oil making huge profits. It, it, when people say, well, just just tax those profits and make it a windfall and put it back into our pockets. You know, is that all doable or is it pie in the sky stuff? No, the books need to be open on large corporations to look at the windfall profits that they're making. So, you know, we're in extraordinary times. So extraordinary times do require for extraordinary measures. So there is a very strong case to be made for energy companies to, 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 to have their books opened and reviewed. But again, it's about managing the expectations. It's not going to dig us out of this crisis. When, yeah. you, you, when, you, when you look at those profits and you share it over a wide economy, uh, you're, you're not talking about any meaningful or significant amounts, amounts of money there. The real challenge for the government, if they are investigating these windfall profits and they should that that money and anything anything any revenues coming from that should be directed to those in society who need it most all right listen paul thank you very much uh, for being with us today paul dr paul dean from the ucc environmental research institute 0818 96 96 96 kevin says please don't ignore the cost of coal going up as well uh, 40k bag is 30 quid now a lot of us don't have mains gas. Kevin, I'm not someone who has to use coal, so it's 30 quid a bag now. What was it, say, a year ago? Just let me know. Was it about, was it 15? Was it 20? Rathcormack Phoenix Station, 199 uh, per litre this morning. The AA, by the way, calling on the government to reduce taxes to help bring down the cost of fuel at the pumps. Um, the government have told us that they've done as much as they can with taxes. The AA don't believe that. Uh, the government insist, uh, Michael McGrath has been insisting on this programme, that they can't touch that because of the EU. Now, I- I've given up believing that because the other countries are doing it and they're saying, right, we'll deal with you later on, Brussels. We're looking after our people for now. Um, but we'll see. East Cork Oil Company, they own the 24-7 in Rathcormack who are selling the petrol and diesel for one ninety nine? Uh, they were on to us and they say it's a new site that opened this year and they're trying to look after their customers as best they can. The market is volatile, so if they can do it, they'll do it for as long as possible and they're taking it day by day. So that's why it's at one ninety nine a litre in Rathcormack. But if you're to listen to Paul Dean, give it time and it'll start to come down everywhere to below the two euros again. We shouldn't be normalising two euro though. He's right. I remember the start of lockdown or three or four weeks into lockdown when no one was going anywhere. We were coming in here to work on our little permits. Do you remember the little permits we had? Uh, coming into work and, and getting some petrol one morning and it was like one twelve or something for, for a, a litre of petrol. God, they were happy days. 0818 96 96 96. Carla says, if these are extraordinary times, I like this one, why do they make it so complicated to use night rate electricity? They have smart meters and advanced billing facilities. 
think of the phones. They automatically charge low rates at certain times. If people could just try it out and adjust to it, they would soon see the benefits. Good idea. They can Wayne Hilton. Wayne Hilton. The on Cork's 96FM. Join me Saturday mornings from 10. I've got four hours of the best music mix. Check out the Cork Weekend Survey. Have a go at the Wayne Teaser question. There's the latest celebrity goss. A look at what's happening around town. And we'll keep you up to date with all your essential Cork news. Wayne Hilton. Saturdays, 10 a.m. With CarMax Used Cars Supermarket. Dublin Road for Moy. Great deals on hundreds of cars. Just a short drive from the tunnel. Visit C-A-R-M-A-X-X-Carmax.ie. On Cork's. 96 FM. If you've ever tried to appeal a parking ticket or a parking fine, you'll know that it's a, a complicated process and it's easier, I would suggest, to get a personal one-on-one meeting with Joe Biden than it is to actually overturn the cost of a parking ticket if you felt you were hard done by. It's something that uh, Councillor John Maher of the Labour Party is looking into at the moment. It is difficult, John, to get uh, a parking ticket overturned, but for some people it's particularly difficult. Good morning. Good morning, PJ. How are things? How are you? Good, good. Um, yeah, you, 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 hit the, you hit the nail on the head, and I suppose where, where my frustration is coming from is, is that people are contacting me with really genuine reasons and proof um, and I, I just feel that when they appeal it, um, you know, I, I just have a couple of examples at the moment where somebody, you know, w- w- as well as having a disability might be unwell. Yeah. So, you know, and we're rushing to an appointment or something and the the, 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 the permit, the, the blue ticket fell, um, you know, or fell off the dash or wasn't presented. And that's OK. That's that's real life where human we make mistakes. Then on appeal and you get a note from your doctor and you get a note, you know, you, you prove you have the pass and you paid for it. And however, it seems to be is that the offence is the, the ticket wasn't presented, the, the blue ticket. And yeah. then you're, you're still guilty. And, um, you know, again, somebody else contacted me where um, they had Crohn's disease and they had to use a bathroom. Yes. They had to use a bathroom. You don't have time I, to I, punch I, a disc. You d- you you don't you know and 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 I, again okay I can understand why somebody would get a ticket, but when you hear the story and when evidence is presented, you know and again the person that contacted me had notes from doctors etc. You know this was and I just feel that we need to be like you know there's a bit of grey here and I think that that you know it's not always black and white and mm. you know I know myself PJ, um I I got a parking ticket. Right, rightly so, okay, rightly so, um, and it went to my company because I have a company vehicle. Yeah, and the company vehicle, the company, it, it forgot to pass it on, so it went to court. And when I went into court myself, the judge said, "Sure, how can this man pay a ticket that he did not know yes. was for him?" Yes. So you know, so so I think that's where where I'm trying to come is that we just need to be a bit more flexible because the fines as well are are, are you know. They're, they're high. Not, they're not cheap. And in terms you know, of, you mentioned the person with the toilet break for Crohn's disease. If that is allowed, and you know and I know, John, if that's allowed to go into court in front of Judge Kelleher or any one of the judges, they look at it and go, for goodness sake, why are you dragging this man in here? They, they They'll strike it out. Suppose, no, no, absolutely, PJ. But I suppose, again, in my experience, the person that gets the fine 
is a person that would never have been in trouble in their life. And yes. the first thing they do is they run to pay it. Because, you know, it's the stigma of having, oh, my God, I'm, I'm, I'm a bad person because I've been fined. And, and we know that's not the case. But I, I, and I believe that there's a lot of people, stories that we're not hearing because of that reason. Yes, I think there's, they, loads, you know, I think there's, there's loads of there's them out no there. And, and maybe one or two people might tell me their story. I, the idea of the Crohn's disease and getting caught short, you don't have time. You barely have time to turn off the engine and lock the door. No, and listen, PJ. I think. Look, I. You know, thankfully, you know, I don't. I don't suffer from that. But by God, if I need to use the bathroom, we all know that sensation. Yeah. So now, imagine if you have the Crohn's disease, where that puts extra pressure on. Indeed. And you do need to go. And and as I said, I think on appeal, when people have shown the evidence and they've backed it up, you know. I, I, you know, I think we do need to be a bit more forgiving, you know, I mean, I, I don't think this is going to be, I don't think people are going to ride it. I don't think we're, you know, there's going to be parking everywhere, but I believe in genuine cases. I think you, you, you're trying to push this up the line a bit, are you? It's gone to a committee now. That, yeah, it's gone, it's gone to Transportation Committee. Okay. Again, that's just the way council works. It will come oh, up in October. And I'm hoping, I'm hoping that we do, um, you know, I'm hoping um, that we do kind of see sense and that there is a bit more compassion shown because, you know, it is, as I said, number one, the fines aren't cheap. And number two, when people genuinely appeal with, with, with evidence that, as you said, if it went into court, the judge would throw it out. That's right. John, one last thing for you. Um, the, the app... Um, that replaced the parking discs. I use it all the time. It's great when it's working. But there's additional charges with that app that are ridiculous in 2022. Like if I want a reminder that my parking is running out, it costs me 20 cents. And if I top up my account, they take a euro off me. Who's managing that app? PJ, yeah, I, 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 when I spoke to Fiona a while ago, it's the first I've heard of it with those, those, we'd say those kind of, those, yeah. those hidden taxes. Well, now here's and, the thing: you know, I, I taxed that. It cost me about maybe twenty five quid a week to to park properly here outside ninety six FM, right? And if I okay. go to put that twenty five quid on my account, it'll take twenty six off me. And when I put my car in and pay for the parking, I ask for a reminder, obviously, to repay in a couple of hours. Yeah. And they take 20 cents off me for that. Like, that's bonkers in 2022. No, PJ, it is. And look, if, 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 if you allow me, I will get back to you. I'd it's love you to do that, I John. I will indeed. And, and again, look, I, I just can't understand where we're in the era of smart technology that you're, 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 you're paying extra for, yeah. the, for the privilege of, of, of not being fined. You know, I think that's, again, I think that's silly, but I, what, if you will leave it with me, I will get back to you before the morning's out and just give you an update. John, I greatly appreciate that. That's fantastic. Thank you very much. John Maher, Councillor John Maher of the Labour Party. If you've come up against the, trying to appeal a parking ticket for the reasons he's talking about, we cut short someone with Crohn's disease or you literally just had an emergency some kind of an emergency, you know, illness, disability, your, your little yellow badge falls down off the dashboard. You're able to prove that you have the disability card, but it fell off the dashboard and they still go and push the, the fine on you. Or my favourite one, again, coming back to the app, is, you know, by the street number, they say 1093, 1094. If you inadvertently put in 1093 instead of 1092, you have paid, but they'll still fine you. And, you know, no good trying to appeal that one either. 
He'll come back to us. Thank you, John. 0818 96 96 96. The Cork's 96 FM Best of Cork Awards. With localheroes.ie. For trusted tradespeople with a 12 month warranty. Backed by Board Gosh Energy. It's about damn time. Alright, we are taking your nominations just now. You get online to 96fm.ie, look for Best Cork Awards and get nominating. Best Breakfast, Best Barber, Best Restaurant, Best Tradesperson, Bar, Beauty Salon, Hairdresser, Gym, Hotel, Burger, Pizza, Business Instagram. They're all there and more besides. Hop on to 96fm.ie, nominate your favourite. And then there's a 5,000 euro media campaign with Cork's 96 FM also up for grabs this year. The best of Cork Awards are taking nominations now. It's with localheroes.ie, your place to find trusted gas boiler installers, plumbers, electricians and much more only on Cork's 96 FM. That statement from Stepping Stones Management, uh, the director's uh, behind Stepping Stones, the Cork City Childcare. We've got that statement. We're going through it at the moment. There's quite a bit in it. So we're going through it. And as soon as we've got it sussed out and figured out, and we'll bring it to you as quick as we can, all right? It's just we're working on it at the moment. We got it there, the full statement, just, just a moment ago. 0818-969696. Now, this is something that I have been both sort of active on and following for quite some time. And uh, recently, Ireland's Birth and Information Tracing Act 2022 was signed into law. It provides the right of access to birth certificates, birth and early life information for all persons who were adopted, boarded out, the subject of an illegal birth registration or who otherwise have questions in relation to their origins. And that's quite a spiel. But basically what it means is that there's a new piece of law just signed by the President which should eliminate the nonsense that adopted people faced for so many years when they went to look into their background and they got a page of what was called non-identifying information, half of which, and I speak from experience with people, half of which was barefaced lies, and the other half was untraceable. Um, And since the 70s in the UK, people have had the right to access their file. Once they reach the age of, I think it's 21, it might be 18, it's one or the other, they can get their file. Now, I'm joined by Patricia Carey, Chief Executive of the Adoption Authority of Ireland. We're not quite there, Patricia, with this legislation, but we've moved on quite a bit, haven't we? Good morning. I think we have, and good morning to you and your listeners. I think um, you've hit the nail on the head. This is a first for Ireland, and it, it is really landmark legislation. So for the first time, as you say, People who were adopted, people who were boarded out, which was that, you know, pre-1953 legal adoption placement of children, people who unfortunately births were illegally registered um, will have access to their files and records, any files and records that are held by the state on on their origins. And I suppose the legislation, just importantly for your listeners, is in two key phases. The first phase is live at the moment, which is a new contact preference register. 
So we're really encouraging people to to come to us uh, to the Adoption Authority birthinfo.ie and register on that. Oh, contact preference, Patricia. That would be a term that you and I and others will be familiar with. What is it for <laughs> yeah. the labour, the layperson? So, so in plain English, really important, in plain English, if you're an adopted person or somebody who was, uh, you know, part of that whole adoption uh, journey, or if you're a birth parent, a parent of a child who was adopted and you wish to make contact or you wish to share information we need you to register on this new register. So you might say, for example, I'm willing to share medical information if you're a birth parent, or I'm willing to share information about my child's birth and early life, or I'm willing to have a phone call, an email, a letter, or in some instances, people may wish to meet. So we really want to figure out where people are at. People may have different preferences. They may wish to talk them through. They may say, well, I never thought about meeting my child, but now I want to consider it. How do I go about that? What would I do? Um, and for some people, it's a small number of people. I think you'd be aware they may, sh- may wish to have no contact. Mm. So um, at the moment we have, uh, this is from the previous register in 2005, we launched a register from the Adoption Authority. We have 15,000 people on that register. Really critical. All of those entries will transfer to the new register. But we want people to update their contact details to tell us if their choices or the types of information they wish to share has changed over the years, because that was a long time ago in 2005. So that's really critical. That register will stay open mm-hmm. um, from here on out. But at the moment, we have this sort of three month window because the second phase of the legislation, which is most critical and most important, is that from the first week in October, we will take applications for people who want their original birth certificate, which will be released automatically. Really important automatic release. And also the information and records that are held about them will be released unredacted, unrestricted. And and as you said at the top of the piece there, you know, it puts it puts away the pain of people receiving documentation with large swathes of it blocked out or redacted. As, or as false, the Patricia, let's call it what it was. A lot of it was false. Well, I, I suppose I, I won't. Uh, I mean, I think... It's, I know you it's, probably it's, can't, but... Uh, yeah. Well, I, I think, I mean, if you go back to the 40s, 50s and 60s, you or I weren't privy to what maybe the mother and baby homes or the, you know, the various institutions were recording on, on these files and records. And in some instances, yes, you know, information was not correct. And I think, you know, we, we can't... We can't retrospectively no, correct that. No. Now, some people have come to us, uh, interestingly, and said, you know, I gave false information at the time. I gave a false name or I was asked to give a false name. And we have received some some right. information from people who now want to correct the record. But I, I think for, for everyone in, in, in Ireland, you know, and every household, in, in my view, is touched in some way by this subject, we are going to issue an information booklet to excellent. every household in plain excellent, English, excellent. explaining what the act is about, what people can do. And it'll maybe start conversations, wider conversations sure. in communities um, about about the whole subject. One thing that you brought up there was that there will be, and, and it's true, there, there will be these small numbers. And they are quite small. You'd be surprised how small the numbers are. I mean, ordinary listeners, though, not yourself and myself, the numbers of mm. people who actually don't want anything to do with their past but not wanting contact should not be should, should not preclude the release of information has that been dealt with here it has and i think that is a really key point to this legislation that 
even in an instance where a parent, a birth parent says, I do not wish to have contact, that will not prohibit the release of information. The release of information is an automatic right now under this legislation from October. And, you know, it's 99 people who've currently said no contact. But our experience is over the years that people change their mind. Um, And that's why this booklet is going into every household over the next few weeks so that people can have conversations. And, you know, somebody might have had a particular situation at the time or even five or 10 years ago and that, that has changed. Or, you know, I often say as a country, we've grown up lots of things have changed that we never thought would change and now people can have those open and honest conversations and that there's no shame or you know secrecy anymore there there is no household in ireland that doesn't have a connection to children who are fostered who are boarded out or parents or adoptive parents or young adults or children who were adopted Just been contacted by the group Know My Own, whom you know very well, Patricia. I do, Um, yeah. If someone is looking for urgent medical information, so urgent that it can possibly not wait until the autumn, can anything Mm. be done for them? Sure, and and again, and I'm really glad they brought that point up. We we always facilitate that, you know, if there's an urgent critical medical situation or where somebody unfortunately is in an end-of-life situation, they can contact ourselves or the Child and Family Agency, depending on who holds the file. And again, I'll, I'll give out the numbers in the email at the end, but we're happy to talk to people who may have a critical situation. Yeah. And actually, we did that all during COVID. We had some very sad and, you know, end of life situations where, of course, <clears throat> we're going to engage with people and support them in any way we can. Mm. I know October might seem a long way off when we're in Dublin, certainly the sun is shining here. But we are really, you know, talking about eight weeks away okay. Okay. where people do, will be able to... In an emergency situation, you will facilitate. People will be happy to hear of course. that. And lastly, of course. Patricia, and I only ask this because you revealed it yourself at the Besborough commemoration when you were guest speaker a number of years ago. You yourself are, are an adopted person. Are you happy with this bill? Personally speaking, um, I am. I think. Um, I think it's. I think you know. As I say, we've grown up as a nation. We've grown up as a country, and I think it's important. You know, in my personal view, that we don't have secrets. That people don't have information that's not readily available about their early life, birth, and medical information. I mean, it was. It was a great honour, and I, I do remember the day I met you in Besborough, where actually I was born. Yeah. Uh, 1971. So I think, you know, for, for all of us as a country and as a nation, we're, we're growing up, we're mature and we're now ready to have those sometimes difficult conversations. But I think it's important that we do it now. Patricia, thank you very much for taking that particular question and for being with us this morning on the show. Patricia Carey, Chief Executive of the Adoption Authority of Ireland. And can I just mention, and this is deeply personal to me, so I'm going to do it, uh, 19, uh, ne- next year, uh, know my own will be 20 years old and I am a very very proud founder member of that organisation and uh, today is a big day for Ireland's adopted people and their and their relations thank you Patricia greatly appreciate you being with us The Cork Diary on Cork's 96 FM Hope for the Homeless will be having a street collection between 11am and 6pm on Saturday the 16th and 30th of July and are looking for volunteers to help out Based on Shandon Street the charity provides clothing toiletries food hampers emergency accommodation and much more to the homeless and those struggling financially If you can spare an hour to support the collection on Patrick Street contact Gillian on the Hope for the Homeless Facebook page 
page. If you have an event you would like mentioned, email corkdiary at 96fm.ie. Corks 96fm. Yeah, just stay with parking fines. We're getting a few incidences in of where people have tried to appeal and it just hasn't gone anywhere for them. John Maher will be back to us uh, with any progress made on that. 0818 96 96 96. Down in, can you imagine being down on a, in a beautiful place like Temple Breedy on a gorgeous summer's morning? like this. Just just imagine being down there. They want some volunteers in Temple Breedy. They want about 10 minutes every couple of days for you. Or is it an hour about every 10 days? About an hour of your time every 10 days uh, to help them down in Temple Breedy. Councillor Audrey Buckley, what do you need help with? Good morning. <laughs> Good morning and thank you for having me on. These sheep are more famous now than myself, I think. Um, it's, um, you know, as you know, I don't know if you've had a chance to pop down, PJ, but, um, you know, the sheep are doing an, an amazing job. Um, this is the third year we've had them. Uh, we had the goats first, as you know. That's right. And, um, yeah, they were fabulous. And we do miss the goats. I must say I would prefer the goats myself. They have more character, but unfortunately they ate everything, so there's nothing <laughs> they for will. them to eat. They will. Little, little four-legged <laughs> gardeners, but they eat everything. Bar what the, oh, and... fabulous. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, we've seen headstones that haven't been seen for a hundred years. You know, they uncovered so much. They just eat everything. They were an amazing uh, work team. So, yeah, we have the sheep back. Um, so, um, what it is, is um, for the protection, really for the safety of the sheep, we have about 30 Harris fencing, you know, they're, they're 10 by 10. Yeah. And so every um, every week or so we move the fencing um, so to, for the sheep to graze in a new area of Temple Breedy Graveyard. So, um, yeah, and, and you're right, they have the best spot. Like we were up there yesterday with the Heritage Group because uh, we were very fortunate to get funding last year for Pat. So we were up there with the Heritage for about three hours. But just watching all the, the Volvo Cork Week, you know, I mean, it was amazing. You could see over to Myrtleville, Roaches Point, in the harbour. Um, so the sheep do, I think, have the best view <laughs> for Cork Week anyway. Yeah. Um, so, um, yeah, so it is really about um, uh, just help. We, we put an SOS out for more help because, um, you know, when these things start, um, you know, of course, you get a lot of people involved and a lot of kids, etc. But we're finding because of the summer holidays, you know, a lot of people are away because COVID was, was great for us in that way. We had a load of help. But now everybody is going on their holidays. Um, you know, if there was less bodies up there to, to help move, um, mm. you know, the fencing and there's the big yeah. black feet with them and, and that. Yeah. And then the kids normally would entertain the sheep because they're running around while we're, uh, while we're doing this. Um, mm. Yeah, so, I presume we you did... have somebody to keep them um, in, in one place so they don't run off when you let them out of the pen. Well, the only the, those sheep are apparently one of the our local uh, local guard here who actually grew up in a sheep farm said actually it's a health spa for sheep because they're so fat. Um, <laughs> the sheep love the nuts, so all you have to do is shake a bucket and they're yours. You know, so they're very easy. Very Any, easy anybody's for a meal. Anybody's for a meal. Yeah. So so yeah. literally. So and when do you do it? Do you do it at a particular time that people can just show up, or what's the story? Well, we well we put it out. We have a Facebook page Temple Breedy SOS and yeah. so we, when we're on a move night we put them there now when we got the um, a friend of ours from Ballet Castle they're her sheep um, she was kind enough to actually buy them for us and she has them in the winter time doing work in her own area um, so she would take them back but when we got them about a month ago we were brave and we decided to take 12 
So there was about four lambs and a ram and the rest were female sheep. And I could have been called maybe three times a day. They're out, they're out, you know, they were constantly getting out. So we actually have no cut back and we um, we only have seven right now. Right. Um, which we can we can maintain. I mean, it's all about safety of the sheep. And, and to be honest, like people have been really good. It's the dogs we worried about, you know, because it's an amazing walk up Temple Breedy down to Merchival, Fennels Bay, etc. Yeah, yeah. So it's a very busy walk and a lot of dog walkers. And, and it's just a concern, you know, dogs chasing sheep. And that's why they're they're locked in and that. But people have been really good about it. And it's it's been a great community yeah. um, for me as well, because like recently now we, we had a shout out for help. And there must have been about 10 people up there who recently moved to the area because it's a fabulous area to live in um, that I wouldn't have known. So it's a great community way and a social okay. gathering as well, you know. So, so go to, go to Facebook, <laughs> Temple Breedy SOS. And if you fa- fancy helping to move some fat Absolutely. sheep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's not much moving, to be honest, because a lot of them just like being rubbed behind the ears and the ram just sits on top of your feet just it's, looking for rubs. If, so on, if only voters were so easy to please, Audrey, isn't that uh, the truth? Yeah. While I have you, uh, some distressing stuff in the echo in the last couple of days, and I heard it myself over the weekend. You had trouble yeah. at the week. Another another summer's weekend, beautiful summer's weekend ahead. You'll be hoping for for less by way of antisocial behaviour. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's very unfortunate because there's so many positive things in the area and this element has just, has really started. Like previous years, it's just drinking and the breaking of the glasses, as you know, you know, with, with, with that kind of started this year kids actually breaking the glasses after they drink but now the fighting and and I can that kind of brings home to me because I live on the way to Turchby Beach so I see the gangs of kids coming down 90% of them not a problem yeah, they're just yeah. here to enjoy their day but when I got I was in my garden on, on Saturday um I had heard about an incident on Friday night up in Temple Breedy on the path. A group of youngsters were drinking and littering all over the place up there. They stopped uh, three local boys coming home from Myrtleville Beach, uh, took their bags, took money, uh, beat one of the kids up. I mean, these are kids, like they're 15-year-old boys, you know. Um, took a bike, belonged to another kid. Um, so that was Friday night and I was very upset over that. But then on Saturday when I been in my own garden, somebody was shouting at me about five o'clock So I ran down. There's a bit of chaos and this lovely young fellow was lying on the road full of like he was blood, like he'd blood on his arm. He thought his jaw was broken um, and he was able he was able to talk. And while we were waiting for the guards to come and we'd call an ambulance as well. Him and his three buddies were um, just walking um, asked a group of young fellows who had just left the beach and they were looking for Church Bay Beach. And uh, so I think some words were said. These four youngsters walked away. And next thing, I think he got a bottle to the back of the head. Um, And then they beat him up just for no reason. It's awful. It's awful. It's awful. It really is awful. Caller says there's a lot of it down to no policing on the bus and no policing in the area. If you have a free for all, it's a zone. It's going to happen, which it shouldn't. But probably, probably right. And how many years have we been talking about this? um, Indeed, you know, I've been on TV many summers. At least three. This is at least uh, our third year, Audrey. At least our third year. Yeah. All we want is um, the guards to be. We want community policing in our village for four months at least of the year. Open Crosshaven Guard Station. 
put a few of them in there, let them walk around, yeah. and we need that. Um, but uh, but like you know, I did hear like I was on the radio to you recently about remember the bus and security on the bus. I mean, a bus driver got hit down in the village on yeah. um, Friday night as well. I heard you know, where know. there was guards that came. Where was where was the bus security? Like they told us that they had. You know, well we asked about bus security, Audrey. We asked them uh, to put someone on to talk to us about bus security, and all they did was send us the same statement three times. But thank you very much, Councillor Audrey Buckley of uh, Carrigaline. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. The lines are live, and we're ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Text or WhatsApp oh eight three three ninety six ninety six ninety six. Email opinion at ninety six fm ie. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan on Cork's 96FM. Well, there's a nice message. Uh, and thank you, uh, whoever you are. There was a few people that I was uh, able to get help for rather than getting give them any help myself because I'm Ill, ill-qualified. Thank you, PJ. When I started tracing, you were a major help looking into getting my medical history. Things as simple as my weight at birth. If only the church could drop this stupid canon law crack it would be good. I don't know who you are. You could be any number of people who are just pointed in the right direction, but you're more than welcome. And here's hoping that this is change for the good. On parking fines, PJ, my son got a parking fine while waiting on his parking permit. When he tried to appeal it, he was told, well, he shouldn't have parked outside his front door without a permit. So he had a permit in, pro- in the process. He just had, I, assuming from, from your message, he'd been approved for it. He was just waiting for it to come. Oh, no. Oh, no. No, no. They ticketed him while he, even though he had a parking. See, those are the kind of things you should be able to appeal. And those, I wonder if you went into court with that. I'm not encouraging anyone to go to court, but if you went into court with that and he's got a letter saying, well, he's been granted a parking permit and now he just needs to wait for it. And then he has a ticket in the other hand from some fellow who decided to ticket him outside his front door while he had that. I wonder would a judge tolerate that? I wonder, would they? 0818 96 96 96 on the cost. And there's lots more of them coming in, by the way. Uh, people who've tried to appeal a parking fine and found themselves facing computer says no. You know your man? Computer says no. Yeah, that kind of crack. Um, I used to find, actually, in the old days, uh, the county council were much easier to appeal to than the city council. But that was just me in my experience. Because when Douglas was in the county, I, I, I took them on over a few parking tickets that I felt were unfair and I won most of them but then you say I'm an annoying bugger I'll keep after you uh, on the cost of fuel what about the natural resources uh, our government gave away to Norway a few people raising this point it also says the government paid the people of Norway 90% of the profits from oil and gas and a lot of it came from Ireland's oil and gas fields they the people of Norway don't even understand how we as a nation gave away our natural resources, just gave it to them. 0818 96 96 96. The cost of petrol is still fluctuating wildly as well. We've got the much publicised one in Rathcormack, which is now down as far as 199. I bought petrol the other day for 209. And the place down in, in Douglas, the, cent- the Circle K in Douglas, uh, right there in the heart of Douglas, they're all, at least they were the last time I looked, are all over 220. Um, all bar one, I think, over 220. It's just varying wildly at this stage. 
if you've spotted any, if there's anyone else gone below two euro or down maybe 202, 203, let us know where they are because they are expert from UCC reckons that they'll all go below two euro in the next uh, maybe month or so when there's a recession effect on oil supplies. 0818969696. Now, yesterday morning we were talking to two of the mums uh, who have kids going or had kids going to the Stepping Stones preschool in Farron Ree. And at the start of the summer, they literally took their kids in, showed them their new schoolroom, met their new teacher, all excitement, all buzz, all go. And then they get a letter uh, the other day telling them, uh, sorry, uh, the preschool is closing um, and you've nowhere to go at the end of August, which is effectively what they're being told. Uh, they contacted us and they came on the opinion line just you know, outlining the the very obvious anxiety and 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 bothersome nature of something like that happening to your four year old and happening to the whole family, and we asked Cork City Childcare for a statement regarding the closure of Farren Ree Stepping Stones. All we were able to understand was, or all we were given to understand was, that the board of management had stepped aside, and without a board of management, you can't operate the preschool. So we put a question or two into Cork City Childcare and Fiona, they, they did come back to us eventually. They have issued us a statement this morning, PJ, and uh, during the conversation with the two mothers yesterday, they made a couple of claims. One was that the staff were as surprised as they were that they didn't know anything about it. And the second was that they've been, um, they weren't able to get any information from the Board of Management and they were trying to get through to them, but to no avail. And the Board of Management have come back and said that um, they're disappointed Pointed by and refute the statements made um, about the closure of the service. After 11 years of involvement with the service, the two directors, both long-standing community volunteers, decided to step down. No replacement directors could be identified by the board. Volunteer directors of early years settings now take on an incredibly high degree of accountability and responsibility and it is extremely difficult to find replacements as existing volunteers step down. However, before reluctantly making the decision to close last week, the board had been in discussion with another provider with the aim of keeping the service open with no disruption to staff or the service offered to parents and children. Unfortunately, ultimately, this did not proceed as they had hoped. Staff were made aware while these talks uh, were going on and uh, once it was obvious that the closure was the only option left to the board last week Cork City Childcare Company was notified and offered their support to staff and parents and this was conveyed to staff and parents staff were also met with again by members of the board the following day they also go on to say PJ that they were particularly concerned that parents would be informed while local schools and alternative facilities were open so that they could secure an alternative place for their child in September this was the big issue for the parents yesterday that they yeah. would be able to find another place in September. To ensure this, we also contacted other services to see which settings had places available. The chairperson was available on Monday the 11th in the facility, but no one called in. He did, however, speak to two parents who called him by phone, and this has been running at a financial loss for a number of years. They finally end the statement by saying, we believe every effort has been made to keep the service open, and when this was no longer an option, we have acted to be as fair to staff, parents and children as possible in the closure. 
Okay. We also got a comment from um, Cork City Childcare, um, and they have, which was mentioned there in that statement, and they said um, they're exploring possible solutions with relevant organisations. Cork City Childcare are available to support parents and guardians to source alternative childcare in the area. And parents can contact them via phone or email, and the email address is info at corkcitychildcare.ie. Um, and the parents were also on to us again this morning, Pete, and they're planning a protest outside the preschool next Monday lunchtime. Now, I'm not sure um, if that's still going to go ahead following yeah. the statement that was issued, but we will keep you posted on that as well. Just as, as a mum yourself of, of young kids, mm. um, you know, if you were in the position where you'd been brought, take Charlie, for example, if you'd mm. been brought into Charlie's new class and met his new teacher in June and then you get a letter in July saying the place is closed and this is the explanation you're offered and you knew nothing about it mm. how would you feel? Oh I'd be livid <laughs> I'd be absolutely livid and we we did come across a, a similar situation with our school um, Nancy was in the first year of her preschool and they had to close after the first year and we didn't know where we were going to send her for the second year and there was um, a whole issue around the logistics of trying to get two children to school at the same time and um, luckily the school just uh, they found another place in the same campus so it worked out okay but I understand the concern that the parents have around that because we had the, the same kind of concerns and um, you know especially when you know listening to the mums yesterday they were saying that the children were so excited about starting school because it's such a big occasion for them um, and then you know and then the stress of, of spending your summer looking for somewhere it is um, a difficult situation it's so for hard it's it so is. so hard on mm. everybody involved alright Fee thanks very much we'll keep across this one I'll be away next week but I know we'll keep across it and see if anything does happen but at the moment it looks as if that is the end for stepping stones in Farinree um, but we'll see we'll see where it goes 0818 96 96 96 on parking fines uh, Councillor Ted Tynan says we were all out there clapping the nurses for during the lockdown but can I give two examples of how the local authority can't exercise leniency even in the most relatable cases one was moving into a flat on Parky, Patrick's Hill and was going back and forward ferrying possessions into the new flat from her car got a ticket, explained what was happening, no deal uh, yeah, not parking, but a similar local authority issue. A lady had an envelope found in a bin that was overflowing. The envelope had her address on it. The bin was overflowing. She got the fine. Yeah, that that happens. Be very careful if you put when you put your bins out. Be very careful if your bins when your bins are out. People can come along and put their junk in on top of it, and if the bin overflows, then you get the fine if they can find who you are, as in, just mean if they can find your 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 stuff, then then you get the fine. But that's a particularly uh, nasty one. So this person's moving into a flat on Patrick's Hill, and they've got all of their possessions, the worldly goods, as it were, in cardboard boxes in the back of a car, and they get a parking fine while they're moving the stuff in and out and they say come on and they stop like can we just stop doing that to people realistically can we stop doing that to people 
0818-969696. Coming up, the man who cycled all the way to Biarritz in France to raise money for charity. That's next. Ports 96 FM. So, Paddy, you decided to go all the way from Crosshaven to Biarritz on your bike to raise funds for a favourite charity of yours. That's Why, correct, Good PJ, morning yeah. to you. Good Where'd morning. Where did you get that idea Good from? Good morning to you. Where did that idea come um, from? Uh, the idea, I suppose, came to me around Christmas of uh, last year. Um, uh, I retired in 2019, uh, having worked for about 20 years with, uh, you know, the place, the National Learning Network up in Holly Hill. I, I think you well. worked there a couple of times. I do yeah. well. Um, I worked there with a great team of people for about 20 years, then retired. And um, like a lot of people, I suppose, in retirement, found it quite difficult to um, adjust to a lack of routine. And that took quite a while. Um, And the idea of of cycling to Biarritz originated around Christmas. Mm. I had found a new routine, I suppose, um, here in Crosshaven. Uh, I started a part-time job with the local centre, Lynch Centre in Crosshaven, mm-hmm. and started doing a bit of volunteering with a loan, uh, decided to try and pick up the mandolin. So I had found a new routine, yeah. but I was still, um, found it a bit mundane, I suppose, and I love cycling. I've done some cycling in France previously with my daughter, and just announced to the family around Christmas that I was going to cycle um, from Roscoff to Biarritz. Right. Now, this was before the war in Ukraine started. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now, Bier- Biarritz is a fabulous part of France. And it's beautiful. a lovely... Beautiful. I mean, hey, I've never cycled, but it's a lovely drive down that part of, of, yeah. the, of the country. But it was a very adventurous trip. Uh, it was, I suppose. Um, it was the month of April. Um, I had planned to do... Uh, to camp on the way down, but... Uh, um, unfortunately discovered when I got to Brittany that campsites in France don't open in April. They don't open until about May or June. So um, that was a bit of an adventure. Uh, you know, I stayed in canal boats, um, converted caravans into Airbnb. And my wife Hilary joined me in Bordeaux and then she cycled with me yeah. uh, during half term. Um, and yeah, we had a great time. Yeah. But I suppose the, the, the origin of it was, I suppose, come to terms with retirement and then the war broke out. And um, we took in a family here in Crosshaven, Hilary and myself, um, a lady, um, my son Owen also, he took in uh, another lady. And uh, it was suggested to me then that uh, I should try and do a bit of fundraising. And immediately uh, the Greater Chernobyl cause came to mind and I got on to Fiona Corcoran. Yes. And uh, that's how it happened, really. An old old and dear friend and uh, has been working away for many, many the boat a great job that yeah. was an interesting one mm-hmm. the, the, the air the, the boat you didn't realise it was a boat you'd booked to stay in until you were standing no, next I didn't, to us no it was pouring rain uh, a little village called Malastua uh, I hadn't intended to stop there but then the heavens opened and um, I decided uh, another Airbnb tonight so um, got out the phone rang the Airbnb and the heavens opened and I was trying to find what I thought was a, a cottage or something and pushing the bike up and down the canal, the Nantes Canal, for about 20 minutes, drowned to the skin. <laughs> and I see this fella on a barge beckoning me over. Right. Uh, I thought he was going to t- yeah, give me a bit of shelter or something. And he said, um, 
it's all on my website. I have a website called Paddy the Peddler if people want to have a look at that, the various posts. But anyway, your man beckoned me over and he said, uh, are you Paddy? I said, I am. Um, he said, this is your accommodation. And I looked at him. And from the outside, it looked to be in an awful state altogether. <laughs> yeah. So he said, come in, this is your accommodation. And in I go and... Is a beautifully converted uh, all wood interior. I looked at the uh, pictures, Paddy, and straight away I thought I'd love to stay in that. Okay, I, I I'll text you on the details. <laughs> he he takes Airbnbs and uh, I took out the mandolin. We played a few tunes together and spent a lovely evening. It was gorgeous, yeah. And at yeah. one at one at one stage, I think you were nervous that you wouldn't be able to meet up with the wife in time. Oh, I was, yeah, yeah. Um. Although I did geography in school, I didn't realise how far south Bordeaux actually is. And the ambition was, I gave myself 10 days to cycle from Roscoff to uh, to Bordeaux. And I was only about three days into it when I realised this wasn't going to happen. Right. So, um, I what, what were you doing in a day? How much then. were you doing in a day? I was doing about 70 kilometres a day. 70. Right. I, the most I did was 110, I think, 110, 120 kilometres. Yeah. yeah. It would take you a fair few days to, to do it at that rate. But I suppose, you know, uh, if anybody has read Devla Murphy's work over the years, God bless her, she died there a few months ago. You know, I, I've cited that to a number of people. I mean, the woman, she cycled from Ireland to India on a bike that had no gears. She took all the gears off the bike. Uh, I have about 20-odd gears on my bike, and she cycled to India with no gears on the bike because she knew they wouldn't be uh, able to repair them, like in India and Afghanistan and places. And she was doing 110, 120 miles a day. So what I did was penis by comparison. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no. You, you've you. The website is is fun to look at, and and the pictures are are marvelous. How much did Thanks you? Much. How much did you raise for the charity? Um, the ambition was uh, one kilometer, um, one euro for every kilometer, and we're pretty close to that at the moment. Good. Um, it's just around a thousand euro, and I do realize you know times are very tough in the country at the moment. People haven't got a bob to rub together. It's not a great time to be fundraising, but it's great. You know, we've raised nearly twelve hundred euro for um, for oh, the great that's Chernobyl fantastic. And, you know, that's fantastic. That's yeah. fantastic, and Fiona will be so grateful for that. And she's been a great support as well. And there's a few people I'd like to thank, PJ. I know we haven't gotten off at a time. Drive on, drive on. But, but uh, obviously, to all the people who have donated in these tough times, I'm really appreciative. And I would like to thank my family as well for, I suppose, not so much allowing me to go, but encouraging me and. My son Kieran lives in New Zealand. He helped to set up the website, um, and um, yeah, it was it was a great adventure. And you know, traveling on your own, you meet uh, complete strangers, and you know, spend an evening with them, and then you're gone the next morning. Um, and then I was joined by Hillary in Bordeaux. We had a great time together. We've yeah. done a lot of traveling together over the years. Yeah, Bordeaux is so. great. And we finally uh, finally coasted into Bayonne uh, Easter Sunday. And Lovely. there was a festival going on there. Lovely. Um, Lovely. And then we finished up at Biarritz the following day. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That last bit is Bordeaux and Biarritz are beautiful places. Oh, beautiful, yeah. And, yeah. and, um, and you'd, be, you'd be getting really a bit well of weather. For cycling me, as well. me, yes, they are. Loads of greenways. You'd be getting a bit of, a bit of spring weather there then as well, wouldn't you? Oh well, well, when I got off, when I got off the ferry in Roscoff, the, the, the Brittany ferries, it took him about an hour to dock because the weather was so bad because the right. howling wind and rain. So the first couple of days was very wet in Brittany, but then and I had plenty of rain gear and stuff. Um, you know, and I was a bit, I was still apprehensive, you know, PJ. I'd never done anything like this before. You know, I didn't, you didn't know whether I was up for it. Like, 
Not on so your own after anyway. the first two or three days, after the first two or three days, I thought, yeah, I'm going to manage this, and kept going. Yeah, good for you. Good for you. Well, well, well done. Uh, and uh, congratulations on it and the the website's worth a look Paddy the Peddler uh, the photographs are fantastic decided to just pass the time in retirement left Crosshaven and went down to Roscoff and down to Brittany and down to through the Pyrenees and, and all that into Bordeaux and into Beirut for the greater Chernobyl cause that's uh, Paddy Healy or Podrick Healy from Crosshaven uh, I love the, you, there's a picture of the boat it's a barge it's like a barge on a canal and it's battered and cracked and the paint is blistered on the outside inside it's a little palace absolutely little palace the things you find I guess when you're travelling 0818 96 96 96 staying with the stepping stones story Councillor McNugent planning for your next trip Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Was on to say I raised this at City Council Monday night. Myself and Kenneth Collins and Thomas Gould are working with the council and others to see if a solution can be found. And also, the uh, Sarah, the mom who was on with us yesterday, was just saying they are planning a protest outside the school lunchtime on Monday. Uh, like I said, Fiona will be here for a couple of weeks while I'm away and. They'll follow up with that, I've no doubt. On petrol prices, Nick was on. I'm working on a campsite in France. I got diesel yesterday, 198 a litre, which is about the same in most petrol stations here. So we're not the only ones paying high prices. 198 a litre of diesel. You'd nearly jump at it now if you got it. Thanks, Nick. 0818 96 96 96. We will return to vaginal mesh and the people who've had surgery for total removal of their vaginal mesh. I've been speaking to both Mandy in the past week and to Pat about their experience with Dr. Dionysus Veronicus at uh, the Mercy Hospital in St. Louis. They've travelled over to Dr. Veronicus and they've had their mesh completely taken out. You've heard Pat's story or Mandy's story. They're both up on Opinion Line podcasts if you want to find them and listen back to them. We also spoke to other women. Uh, Bernie was one of them uh, who who really want the thing taken away. But of course, getting to Dr. Bronicus is difficult. He is in St. Louis and it's expensive to get there. There isn't a whole pile of assistance and you know yourself. Not everybody can can put themselves in the position of getting to talk to him. But I wanted to talk to him about his work and the incredible skills that uh, he certainly seems to have. If you to listen to Pat, the details she went into, and the same with Mandy, the, the work that he did in on their bodies to remove the mesh in one full piece. Phenomenally skilled work. And I wanted to talk to this man who they all described as very humble, very soft-spoken, 
and very self-effacing about what he does. And that's exactly what I had an opportunity to do. I'll let you hear it. Dr. Dionysus Veronicus on the opinion line next. 0818-969696. Access all areas on Cork's 96FM. Your guide to nightlife on Leaside. Hi, it's Michael here with an update on Cork's entertainment. The Everyman Panto in association with Cado Performing Arts will see Cinderella and the usual zany gang return to cast a spell on children and make audience of all ages believe in magic. Tickets go on sale from The Everyman on August 2nd. Access all areas. And Sleeping Beauty comes to Cork Opera House this December as Cork's biggest panto returns for the Christmas season. Tickets go on sale from this Friday, July 15th from the Opera House box office and CorkOperaHouse.ie Access All Areas You can contact us here at Access All Areas if you have a show, play or exhibition coming up or any live streaming events by emailing us on aaa at 96fm.ie Access All Areas With Harvey Norman and JBL Your specialists in sound this summer On Cork's 96FM Dr Dionysius Veronicus Thank you for being with me on the opinion line and welcome. Uh, you you come very highly spoken of by two women in particular that I've spoken to uh, on the program, Pat and Mandy. They've talked about the, the skills you have. They've talked about the care you gave them when they came to your clinic and, and the removal of, of their mesh and the change in their lives following the removal of that mesh. It's a particularly intricate form of surgery requiring particular skills, isn't it? Well, the short answer is yes, but uh, I'm sure the next question would be, but but why? Yeah. So, um, and, and, and first, the word mesh by itself is really a non-specific description of a woven suture complex composed of polypropylene. It has a specific shape when woven, a size, a color, a density. This woven material is, is, has an organ location, a trajectory, a surgical placement, and tissues of varying different texture and, and sensitivity. Yeah. And the human body creates a very complex scar. And, and in that is why safe, complete removal is very complex. The, the, furthermore, the, this mesh trajectory is under delicate tissues. It continues around and behind bones, which it may be attached to the bones, vaginal tissue, urethral, and bladder tissues, and may penetrate these tissues and organs while attached to the bone and muscle. Additionally, mesh links, for example, vary in color, vary in location, and these trajectories require considerable variation in in the approach and in the skill set. In every patient, with all the varying types of slings and pelvic types is a very different skill set. Now, consider the word mesh as it applies to prolapse. And these prolapse mesh kits can have six. One, one type has eight arms. It's not just a simple removal of the body of, of the mesh. And Leaving those remnants behind will render them very difficult, if not impossible. It, it takes time. I, I removed the first mesh stick in 1995 when I was being trained at the Massachusetts General Hospital during my training with Dr. David Nichols. Since then, and especially since 1998, 
as specific mesh kits were introduced, I've managed to perfect the treatment for patients with such mesh complications. To to put it in perspective, I perform about 700 surgeries per year, and 250 to 300 of those, depending on the year, are are mesh complications in helping women. So I, I painfully learned being a surgeon of last resort well, in my community, partials were being done. That the partials were not the answer. These patients kept presenting with mm. continued pain and continued complications. And finding these mesh pieces was a, a very difficult task and requires a specific skill set. Yeah. So going on what you tell me, and, and thank you for the detail, there will only ever be a few centers and indeed a few surgeons like yourself that can be as effective as you are with these removals. Is it something that other doctors are training in or could indeed be trained in, say, here in Ireland? Um, possibly, but you're absolutely correct in that this should be very, very limited. It should be... Um, uh, so to, you know, honestly, to designate a center of excellence for any medical surgical treatment requires a, a proven track record of managing the breadth and depth of the medical and or surgical problems or complications. A, a center where patients, my view would be a center where patients recommend their families and friends, where physicians prefer to send their patients and staff, where the staff is proud to be part of a help in an organization and, and support and be proud of the life-changing treatment that these patients receive. That's, that's what I would consider a, 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 a center. And, you know, this requires dedication, devotion, innovation and service delivery, yeah. fair treatment for all, treatment by all, teamwork by all, and commitment by all. That, that is a very team-based approach, a, a mesh center of excellence would be truly a flagship project. Yeah. And I, I know there are some centers that, that, that are uh, developing to provide such services, but such a center of excellence must provide not just the physical foundation in the operating room, which are essential in the surgical time, but it must be dedicated to the treatment of women suffering from these mesh complications in a timely manner with highly specialized staff. So th- this would involve techniques such as tissue sparing that facilitates recovery and preserves function, safe approaches to mitigate and avoid removal of organs such as the bladder and the bowels, mesh removal surgeries where the tendons and the muscles are spared to allow the patients to use their legs after surgery, not just have the mesh removed. That's not, that's not really a successful surgery. And above all, it must allow the patient to have choice in her options to be involved in a treatment decision. After all, it it is her body, her choice. So this means that this flagship center of excellence must be able to provide and have a proven track record of safe and full complete removals of all types of mesh implants, which are documented by pathology and and photography. And I I mentioned some of those different mesh types uh, earlier. So I do have patients that fly from Ireland England, Scotland, France, Belgium, Switzerland, Portugal, and other European countries, as well as Japan, Africa, Australia, New Zealand, because 
these women want the choice to be able to, to, to have the mesh removed where sometimes variations in anatomy can cause problems. Someone with deep experience can, can mitigate all those things. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's what it requires. And you are correct. It should only be done by a very select few with the, with the training, but that training just doesn't happen overnight. Yeah. There are a number of women currently in difficulty. We've spoken to them here in the last week or so, two or three of them in particular. Presently, uh, there's no scheme in place that facilitates them travelling for the treatment you can provide. They've got to get there, as it were, under their own steam. Is a scheme like that something we should be talking about, Doctor? Yes, I I would be very happy to start such a conversation. But based on my experience, I will tell you, it will require an involvement of of a compassionate policymaker to create flexibility around a fund treatment program to to the United States. Um, You know, Ireland is the same as other countries. It's facing the same problem with mesh complications. It is the volume of patients that have been just waiting so long and waiting for help, and and that in and of itself is a challenge, just waiting. So a a widespread medical treatment, which has produced a high volume of of patients, all waiting and presenting with the same symptoms, asking for care, it would be a very timely discussion uh, uh, to start. And, and, you know, they're, they're all just requesting the best care they can possibly receive I find that, that women try to move on with their lives. Don't blame anybody. They just want to get the best possible care they can to put their lives, their families back together. You know, honestly, this is an exceptional situation. And, you know, I believe that when, when, when people are faced with exceptional situations, usually healthcare providers will provide an exceptional solution. So I'm very hopeful for that. Yeah. Is there a way in which you could travel here uh, from time to time, maybe a couple of weeks per year, to meet the women here and, and, and do the treatment here in, in, in our operating theatres? Is, is that possible? Is it something you could consider, something you could do? Um, you know, that is a challenging question. But honestly, it's a very important question. It's a very timely question. There were some discussions in the past about um, some sort of treatment plan like that. It it never really uh, materialized. I understand the need. It it would certainly help. Would I do that? Um, You know, to fully consider that kind of option takes thought, planning, cooperation, time, medical license, registration, and a consideration to the very busy center that's, that I have developed the past 25 years here where collectively with the, uh, all the people that work with me, we, we provide a, a service for over 700 surgeries. But having said that, allow me to say, I, I have dedicated my life to the surgical care of women and the relentless pursuit of surgical precision and perfection. I've built a, a lifetime reputation of surgical excellence in the field of vaginal surgery after being trained by the foremost 
leading vaginal surgeon in the country, Dr. Nichols, which I spent three focused, dedicated years between 94 and 97. Mm. And after that, a lifetime commitment. So I perform surgery five days a week. I'm sure that you can understand that that level of surgical excellence is not achievable in, in a fast track system. Yeah. So I, I would ask, you know, I, I would arrive. What, how would it be set up? So that's why I mentioned earlier, it's a, it's a very important, helpful, timely question, but it, it takes a lot of um, consideration, but ultimately no one lives forever. And I'm, not as young as I used to be. So we certainly need more surgeons to help women and those women do need help. So if there, if there are ideas on, on how to do that without cutting corners, I am open to having uh, those discussions, but uh, to be frank, my priority is in helping as many injured women as much as I can, as long as I can, that, that would be my priority. Well, having spoken to the two that we have spoken to. Clearly, your work, Dr. Veronica, is, is, is life-changing or indeed, as they say, life-restoring. Thank you for being with me today and we, we may speak again. Thank you so much. Th- thank you very much for having me. Speaking to you from his clinic in St. Louis. In the last number of days, that's uh, Dr. Dionysius Veronicus. Uh, Thank you to Deputy Colin Burke, who gave us sight of some briefing notes presented to the Joint Committee, or for the Joint Committee of Health, the recent meetings there, which they talk of the National Institute of Health and Care Excellence, known as NICE. And under NICE guidelines, there is limited evidence on the benefits of partial or complete removal compared with no mesh removal. It also quotes the National Women and Infants Health Programme, which states that all types of removal are available in HSE hospitals. And as the treatment is available publicly in HSE, eligible patients would not be deemed applicable for the treatment abroad scheme effectively saying that people who want to go to Dr. Veronica's, they can't get it under the treatment abroad scheme because removal is available in the HSE. Now, the NWIHP is also engaging with stakeholders, I hate that expression, but it turns up with these kind of documents, to provide a solution for patients whose complications do not fit in the clinical parameters of the treatment available in the HSE. Referrals for treatment abroad are managed and funded by the treatment abroad scheme. They require it to be signed off by the person's own doctor if they are going to get onto the treatment abroad scheme. We thank Deputy Bork for that. I mean, some women, many women suffer no complications. Um, some suffer extreme complications. And for those women who do, I guess, treatment in the, either in the UK or with somewhere more specialised like Dr. Veronica's, uh, it's something that uh, the government... There's, a, there's pressure on the government at the moment to consider helping uh, these women. We heard the news from NHS Scotland in the last day or two that there the NHS has agreed that it will start uh, facilitating people, funding people, to go to see Dr. Bronicus in his clinic in St. Louis. Um, now, the NHS being what it is, other parts of the UK may well follow suit, but NHS Scotland 
has now decided it will start assisting people to go to see Dr. Veronicus and be treated by him in his clinic. We'll see what happens. We'll follow this one with interest. 0818 96 96 96. In particular, can we thank the women who have been on the show with us in the last week or 10 days while we focused in some depth on this particular story? It is a few weeks yet until back to school. But I think, Joe, you have been inundated, Joseph Byrne, inundated with support for your appeal, uh, which you started earlier than usual. Morning, my friend. Good morning, PJ. I did, Jess. I stopped today a little news because Don and I were talking about it and we were saying, you know, it would be nice for parents to relax over the summer not to be fretting about kids going back to school and being able to afford the uh, school stuff. And some parents have got on to me. So, no, I said, let's start it early and get it in, and I'm getting a great response so far. You know, just so for instance, please say, um, Town Credit Union, 400 euros worth of stuff. Good, good. Ray Flint and Parties, Woolen Mills, have just gave me a big check there earlier on, and he said, I'm a dad, I know what it would be like for kids, you know. So people like that are brilliant. And there's an article on the Echo about it today, so I'm going off now to business thing, showing them the article, and you know that I'm genuine, and they're giving me the stuff, so it's fantastic. Excellent, excellent. And the people, um, PJ, like clients and things are coming in with copies, pencils, pencil cases and stuff like that, you know? Yeah. Do you get a sense, Joe, that the need is more? Huge, huge. You know what, I got recently a parent got in touch with special needs, two special needs children that said she needs a kind of highlighted copies and she literally doesn't have anything. I know this lady in particular is in trouble anyway and she's looking for, um, you know, money to buy the highlighted copies of, for me to get them. There is a lot out there at the moment. There are two people are contacting me from the north side. Am I doing anything this year? Um, Edel House, Totally, Penny Dinners, Coley Refuge. Loads. Because I'd say far more than last year. i say people that were given last year are probably hoping I could help them this year. You know what I mean? It was always the time, and I can remember our own time when the kids were small this would be the time in July when you'd start to say okay how much have we put aside now and how much are we going to need in August when the kids are going back and you know you'd have the couple of quid put aside but nowadays Joe things are gone so expensive day to day that they don't don't have it put aside they don't and you know also Peter that's huge peer pressure like you know the kids that have it go to school with everything yeah. You know, the smiggly school bags or whatever you want to call them. Then other kids don't, you know what I mean? So you don't want another child to not have, they don't have to have the designer bag, but at least have their school bag and their copies and everything you need for school, you know? Yeah. I remember as a kid being in Bowson school not having enough stuff and to teach and nearly highlighting it, you know what I mean? At the time, I know yeah. they probably wouldn't do it now, but it is tough and it's tough on kids and their, you know, their mental health and things like that. If yeah. that only helps them going back to school and they can feel they have what they need, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Are you still taking stuff or have you stopped Oh now? God, Peter, no, no, geez, no, I'll be taking stuff until August. There's only starting to come in now. Good. Because right. now that's why I'm delighted, Peter, you're talking because there's a, you know, natural and echo about it today, so that's brilliant. And from now on, we need to start coming in. Okay, all right. And with PJ, before you go, we're, we're doing a free haircut day for the, for the kids as well. And we're going to do that on the 22nd of August. And yeah. Flannery's across the road. The marquee, we're going to have a party for a magician and the whole lot. Brilliant. And I'll be down on myself, I'll be doing our usual, acting the fool and keeping the men <laughs> sane. 
So it's an opening between the half to come out from the on that day, sit in the corner, have a look, and just see the atmosphere is amazing. Do you know what? I'm Absolutely. Li- I might, I might just do that. Keep in touch, my friend. I might just do uh, that. For sure, always, Peter. Yeah, and you're brilliant. And thank you all, guys. You're amazing. Our pleasure, Joe Byrne, uh, Joseph Byrne from Joseph's Hair Salon in Clashing. He's doing this again, he, just because he can, because he can, and he wants to. Um, and you know what? I might just pop out to to, to meet people that day. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. There is a meeting at the Rochestown Park Hotel tonight at seven o'clock. Now this is water services workers. And it's a complex issue enough, but we did have them on earlier in the year. We're talking to a man called Don Carroll in February about changes in the service level agreement for water workers, water service workers. And there is a meeting tonight to discuss that at the Rochester Park Hotel at 7 o'clock. And they've asked us to mention it. Uh, John Mullins, who is the SIP2 shop steward at Cork City Council, has asked us to mention that. 7 o'clock tonight at Rochestown Park. Happy to mention it. Sierra Delta Cartu, Annie and the Chopper, or Chopper Nari. How are you? Cracking, lacking. I tell you one thing: women don't like chatter blights. No, they just want honesty. Gotcha. Just be honest with a woman. Yes. Approach them and be straight up with them. How's it going? Name's Anthony. Six kids, four mams. I've done more sentences than Shakespeare. <laughs> I leave the toilet seat up, but I'm likely to let you down. <laughs> <laughs> Casey and Ross in the morning with Noel DC Cars Blackpool, exclusively Skoda in the city. Find your next car online at noeldc.com. Open 24-7. The lines are live. And we're ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 0818-969696. Text or WhatsApp 083-396-9696. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96FM. John O'Donovan has been on to say he's just heard the worst news he's heard all week. The worst news he's heard all week. He's devastated by the news he's heard. Do you want to know what it is? I'll tell you in a while. <laughs> John, you're an awful messer. 0818 96, but we love you. 0818 96 96 96 083 396 96 96. The email is opinion at 96fm.ie. Speaking of people, also speaking of people we love, hello again to the, um, the lads of the proc. They've been quiet for a while, but they jump on something. The minute they hear me say something, they're jumping on it. Yeah. Don't worry, I will bring up that point about energy prices and profits and all of that the next time I have an opportunity to do it. I will, of course, do that, lads. I will. I will. Would you please just ask the other fella to go back in under his stone? You know who I'm talking about. The fella whose name starts with D. Just tell him to go way back in under his stone. It was nicer. It was a nicer proc when he was in there. <laughs> oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. We're asking you to have some fun with this for the last hour of the program. I'll tell you why in a sec. But your 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 things about Cork, the things that make you love Cork, the things you think are just the bee's knees about Cork, that there's nothing like it anywhere else in the world. And also the thing that makes you want to run screaming up the Dublin Road to get away from the place. The two of them. 
and let us know the best and worst of Cork. Going to Feroiga first. Uh, you're looking for um, volunteers, uh, Dennis O'Brien. Good morning. This is Dennis, the Volunteer Development Manager. You're looking for volunteers for Feroiga. Great organisation, but you're reaching out for some new volunteers. Good morning. Good morning, PJ. And I think one of the things that I love about Cork is Cork people's generosity and willingness to get involved uh, in supporting the needs of young people across the city and county. Yeah. Uh, so on, on that basis, yeah, we are looking for volunteers uh, to be part of, of that movement uh, of supporting young people to be involved in their own development and to become part of the community that they live in. Just outline for listeners again who have not heard of it, what is Faroiga? Yeah, sure. Faroiga is a national voluntary youth organisation this year, 70 years on the go. Uh, some older listeners might remember Makarnatuha, that was the original name for Faroiga. Uh, but, but as Faroiga grew and expanded and became an urban as well as a rural organisation, um, we, 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 we changed the name. So um, Faroiga does a lot of things in terms of supporting young people, uh, but the particular part that I want to talk about is our volunteer-led youth groups, which we call Faroiga Clubs. Mm. Um, normally, we operate, um, you know, around 500 of those across the country, um, over 80 in Cork City and County. Uh, so it's a really strong uh, organisation in Cork. Mm. Uh, and those clubs tend to meet for, you know, an hour and a half to two hours, an evening a week in a local community centre or, or hall of some kind. And they are led by trained volunteer adults whom we we support and train and uh, and provide with resources that they can work with the young people. Mm-hmm. And the purpose of those clubs, uh, I guess, is to is is to involve young people in their own development, mm-hmm. but also to provide a, a safe, enjoyable place for young people to hang out, to meet friends, mm-hmm. to get involved in activities, and and to have a voice to to feel they are part of something, mm-hmm. um, to feel they belong, that they have a connection. Well, my son went to a club of Faroiga. Yeah, back to youth club in Cork for um, Douglas actually for a number of years and it was wonderful himself and his friends Great. so I know the kind Great. of things that you're doing but Great. volunteers are always in short supply people have busy lives Dennis what do, what do people need to have what skills do they need to bring I, I think they, they need to have common sense they need to have an interest uh, in in young people, they need to be open to listening to young people, um, and uh, they need to be willing, if you like, to share a sense of responsibility. That the club is a partnership between the adults and the young people, rather than the adults telling the young people what to do. Mm-hmm. Um, we know from studies of well-being and and mental health that um, having a sense of responsibility, feeling you belong, feeling you have an influence, are really really important. And we we train our volunteers to be able to to give the young people those experiences through the way that the club is structured. Let me bring uh, in. So beyond that, yeah. there's no degree needed. There's no. We, we'll provide training if you have common sense and you're you're open to the the well-being of young people. We can work with you. Let me bring in Tanya at this point. Stay there, Dennis. Tanya Nolan Owens, you're a, vo- a volunteer with Freud in Ahada. Tanya, good morning. Good morning, PJ. How did you get involved in, in Freud? 
Um, so actually, I have a, I've had a couple of incarnations with Freuge. I was a member in my own local club at home in, in Mayo. Um, and when I aged out, I actually became a leader for a couple of years. Um, and then obviously raising my own family or whatever, I kind of took a step back. But I've come back to Freuge in the last couple of years. And I'm a leader in the club and I had, as you say. Now, how does, what, what, what does it do for you? What, what, what does Freuge bring to your life? Um, what, it's, do you know what? It's probably one of the most enjoyable experiences of my week. It's, you know, there's so much that we can learn from our members and, and the young people that attend our clubs. And there's so much that we can give them as well. And it's very rare, I suppose, that you find an opportunity where you get to do both of those things. You get to learn and you get to give a bit back at the same time, you know. Um, so, yeah, I think that's that's probably the biggest thing that it brings for me. It's a kind of a partnership, isn't it? That when you go in there as a member, like you did in your youth, you were a member. And now you're on the other side of that partnership where you're a leader. And, and it's it's all about that partnership. Mm. Oh, it is. It's a huge partnership between ourselves and, and, and our young people. And it's remembering as well that our young people can lead. Dennis kind of said this already, but, you know... Our role there as leaders is 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 guidance and support and to to listen. The members actually run the club, you know, and it's it's their wishes and what they want to do and what they want the club to be that really that really drives it on, you know. What would you recommend uh, people who are even thinking about it? Where would how would, would you you'd recommend it to them? Absolutely, I'd say try it. Just try it. Like we have had a couple of instances over the last while where we've asked uh, different people to come along just to, to sample what we do and how the club runs and to see for themselves just what an enjoyable experience it can be and just what exactly they can get from giving up an hour of their time on a Friday night to, to young people who are motivated and interested. And, and again, you, you get so much energy from these young people. You go away really like I don't want to say on a high but there is that element of you know it's lovely to see them in action it's lovely to see them motivated to drive on their own club and as I say as a leader we're there just to guide and support and to make sure that you know they're enjoying themselves and they're getting what they need from their club and yeah it is it's such an enjoyable experience I'd say try it go Mm. and see what it's like for yourself I spoke to a leader previously actually and a different item about this this entire thing and Dennis what what they said to me was do you know what I go down there on a Friday night or a Thursday night and I work with 10 or 15 lads they're playing pool they're playing cards we're going for coffee we're having a chat we're having the crack and I come away thinking do you know what the country will be all right that says it all Oh, absolutely. And, you know, I, I, I hear leaders say as well, you know, that they, you know, when they, they walk into the shop in the village or they're walking down the street and young people are stopping and talking to them and, and they they know the next generation like they never would have. And I, I even hear parents say, you know, they, they, they become a leader in a club that their son or daughter is in and they see their son or daughter in a whole new light as a as this independent growing person rather than perhaps the, the parent-child relationship at home. So if you want to try um, a Volunteering, say, where did you start? Where do where does one start? Yeah, so um, they can uh, simply email volunteer at feroiga.ie or they can contact anybody they already know in Feroiga. Um, but essentially what we're looking for is one person in any community 
who believes that they need a Faroe club for their young people or to restart a club that's maybe closed down during the pandemic or to bring Faroe for the first time to that community. And if that person contacts us, we will help we will work with them to find volunteers, to find a place and to, and to involve young people. All right, listen, thank you both and good luck with finding the volunteers for the next generation of Faroga clubs and club leaders. Dennis O'Brien, Faroga Volunteer Development Manager and Tanya Nolan-Owens, who's a volunteer with them in Ahada. Thank you both. 0818 96 96 96. Uh, the favourite thing about Cork, the people and or the scenery the least favourite, the cost of rent or of buying a house. Can we expand on that? Can we do anything better than that? Um, the maddest thing that you love, like, could it be Tanora? Like, the, the greatest thing about Cork, Tanora. Can't get it anywhere else in the world. And the worst thing about Cork. I don't know. I have to think hard about that. Mary says Texaco on Model Farm Road is charging one ninety nine for both petrol and diesel. So it's starting to come down around the place. Whether it'll hold or not is, is something else entirely. Why am I asking it for the best and worst? Because uh, FRS recruitment are seeking home truths. Okay. 083 396 96 The thing you love about Cork, the thing you would never give up, they would take it from your cold, dead hands. That one thing about Cork. And as I said, the thing about Cork that makes you want to run screaming up the Dublin Road begging for mercy. We've all got them. 0818 96 96 96 Ready to go, go, go. It's showtime. showtime The Cork's 96FM Best of Cork Awards are back It's time to nominate places and services that are the best in Cork Best in Cork From best beauty salon to breakfast Best takeaway to gym Hairdresser to hotel Best bar to best local tradesperson and more See 96FM.ie now to nominate Then stay listening It's about the Best of Cork Awards with localheroes.ie for trusted tradespeople with a 12-month warranty backed by Board Gosh Energy. Only on Cork's 96FM. Colin Donnery is the group CEO of the FRS Network and they're behind the Home Truths campaign. Uh, Colin, good morning to you. Morning, PJ. How are you? Good. So what are you at here? You're looking to know the best about Cork, <laughs> the home truths about Cork. Exactly. Yeah. So look, we've been we've been bringing people back from abroad for, you know, many years. But really, sort of since 2019, we've a partnership with the GAA on their GAA Go platform. So um, we've had different campaigns running each year. Last year was 70 Minutes of Home. This year, it's it's home truths because actually after COVID, it's really people who are abroad and looking at coming back are are starting to ask us difficult questions around housing and different things. So, uh, look, we have so we can give them some of the answers in terms of jobs and salaries and that. But we thought it would be a good idea to actually tap into local communities and really get the good, bad, and the ugly. What's what's good about Cork and and other and other counties, you know, from uh, from the locals, really, you know, so. So they literally go on and call it like yeah, it is. So, 
Yeah, so we have a website, frshometruths.com, and they just go in there and, uh, you know, if they're, if look, if they're in, in Middleton or Cove, you know, do they have Grendel's great coffee and coffee scene in Middleton, you know, and uh, on the other side, you know, you still got the Dunkettle disaster happening. And really, that's what people abroad want to sort of hear, you know, what, what what's actually happening locally, you know, because actually what we're seeing is obviously people from Cork are looking to get back to Cork. But with the advent of remote working and that sort of stuff, it's it's really opened up people from other places to move to um to to different regions and you know normally what used to happen when people were moving back they'd look at you know dublin city or cork city for instance but now with remote work they're able to look in in you know places like west cork and yeah. we'll have people from west cork saying the broadband is rubbish and stuff like I that know. you know like so, you could take a job it. in the city and work or live rather in kinsale or live in cove or live in oh, you know yeah, baltimore on, on, and on, uh, yeah, 100%. So, and I think what happens is people tend not to know the local sort of scene, you know, and, and, and that type of thing. Like, uh, I stayed in Union Square for in, or um, Union Hall last year um, oh, right. for, a, for a couple of days. I'd never heard of it before and went down in an absolutely fantastic spot, like, you know. And, uh, and now you were, you, were, you were expecting all these fellas going around marching with placards given out about <laughs> trade union rules, weren't you? Because I know the first time yeah. I saw that, and I was years ago, Union Hall, is that where they meet? Yeah. You know, I, I know, I know. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly, yeah, yeah. And... Um, but look, it's it's look. Obviously, on when people are abroad, like I suppose after the last recession, twenty oh eight, twenty oh nine, I think you know in total over a hundred thousand Irish people moved to Australia alone. You know, and um, actually, Breach Stack is one of our brand ambassadors oh, yeah. from Cork originally, and Breach is actually out there back in Australia. I think now um, playing. Um, playing Aussie rules uh, football and we had a bit of banter about where the best chips come from you know I'm a, I'm a, I'm a dub originally so uh, I would say you know Beshoff's chips are the best and I was just going to say you, I knew you were going to yeah. say Beshoff's I knew you were going to yeah. say Beshoff's <laughs> But is it Lennox's? I think down there are pretty Now you are talking you know, Lennox's or KC's or Dino's yeah yeah Dino's Dino's actually is the one that came up a lot of time in Good. In, in in when people were coming, uh, when people were coming back, you know. So look, it's on the one hand, it's it's a look when people are abroad coming home, you know, it's a big decision for them. Yes. You know what I mean? So look, it's what we tend to find is the top things are obviously the job itself, yeah. the hours and the salary. Schools are a big thing, you know. Obviously, like and when you're coming back from abroad, you have to, you know, you have to have your name down in 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 the so-called good school for years in advance, and that. So they're trying to tap into into that type of thing as well. You know? Yeah, yeah. You, you you sign up the child the day the pregnancy test comes up. Unfortunately, that's that's how it is. Like, do you know? No, it is. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But yeah, and now tell me something else as well uh, with regards to this. You also have a thing called the Free Flights Home Initiative. Tell us. Yeah. More. So yeah. So we've we look as I said to you. We we had a actually how this started in in 2019. We sponsored a, a match in Sydney between in uh, Galway and Kilkenny at the time, and uh, the GA came to us and said, "Look, would you look at sponsoring the the GA Go platform?" We've done that, and um, then someone said, "Sure, w- would we give a prize of a flight to send, bring someone home for free?" And we said, "Yeah." And then someone else said, "Sure, why don't we fly everyone back?" And I was like, "No, that's a fucking crazy idea because it's <laughs> going to cost us an absolute fortune." But actually, what happened was our our um, 
our client or the employer said to us, no, look, if you find us someone, look, we'll, we'll, we'll help with the, with the flight. So if we find someone a job, you know, we bring them back to Ireland, we, we pay for the flights home once they stay in the job for, for a little while. And um, it just, it's, I, I suppose it's, look, if they're coming from Australia, it's obviously, you know, a big, big chunk of change, a nice bit of money, but, um, and it's worked. We've brought an awful lot of people back on that for the last three years. And, and that's, um, and typically what happens is mammies and daddies who are listening into your show will be ringing their, ringing their kids abroad, you know, in the Middle East or America going, oh, look, if you come back, these guys will fly you back, you know, and, and get your job as well, you know. So <laughs> it's worked. It's worked. Okay. Uh, it's worked really great. All right. We'll have, well, you can, you'll have some fun now about Cork because, you know, there's a, um, I, I sense you may be a dub, Yeah. Yeah, I try and hide the accent when I'm on Cork radio, you know. Well, you know, they used to say long ago, well, you know, Dubs always said to Cork people, you really do think you're the best, don't you? And to which the answer is, we don't think it at all, by. We know. (laughs) (laughs) Colin Fledger. Well, I look you again. You'd have had a bad year in the hurling, so... Uh, Don't. We have a few of them. We're getting used to them. We're used to them. Yeah, now, you got a bit of a shocker at the last minute last Saturday as well, so, you know. (laughs) Your your friends are across the border in Kerry. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Colin, thank you very much. Colin Donnery, Group CEO of FRS Network. Their website is frshometruths.com. Let's have some of yours for the crack. What would you be boasting about if you were trying to get someone to come home to Cork? The worst thing about Cork, the smell of fish as you go into the market. The best thing about Cork, the fish in the market. <laughs> That's brilliant. I love that one. I love that one. 83 396 96 96. Just a quick message to say there were some people listening to the opinion line on their hollybobs. Good morning. Sitting out there on their terrace having their breakfast, if you don't mind, in the sunshine to Colin and Mags and Dara and Sam the Hegartys who are listening to us in uh, in Tenerife. See you Saturday, lads. John O'Donovan, by the way, was devastated at the worst news of the week which he said it had, he had been left in tears, holding his head in his hands, at the news that um, Ronan Keating's son was gone from Love Island. Thanks, John. Photo Wildlife Park is bringing back its educational activity weekends this summer. Uh, the family-friendly weekends featuring a variety of fun experiences. Linda McSweeney is Head of Education at FOTA. People have missed these, Linda, over the last while. Good to have them back. Good morning. Good morning, PJ. Um, absolutely. Not only have the, the public probably missed these events, but I can certainly say from both my my own perspective and that of Martine here in FOTA One part that we really missed just that level of engagement with our customers. And of course, we're all excited that we have the opportunity now to actually highlight the role of science, technology, engineering and maths in our everyday life here in Photo One Park, but also to introduce some of our colleagues from a number of organisations like University College Cork. We have the Lifetime Lab and we have Tyndall. So we have a a huge diversity of scientists coming on site over the coming weekends, um, not only just to entertain people, but more importantly, to highlight the importance of sciences. Uh, in our everyday lives here. You're starting with the Mad Scientist Weekend. The name alone, I love it. The Mad Scientist Weekend, PJ, is probably one of the most popular events that we hold. And I suppose the reason for it is that 
there's such a huge diversity of interactive stands and exhibits available to the public that I don't think anyone could leave it, not basically... I suppose looking at the wonders of nature and just how much we've learned, just even in terms of the new technologies we've developed in recent decades and how many of those designs and recent developments have actually come from nature. Um, So we've been looking at biomimicry, how scientists have have used animals and used plants and various aspects and features of them uh, to make our lives a lot easier. Because there's so much out there in nature where animals, you know, who they They've just adapted to what's around them. They've adapted their bodies. They've adapted their body chemistry. They've adapted their behaviours. We can learn from all that. We can learn so much. And I suppose it's it's my role here in the Wildlife Park and that of the education team to to ensure that that everyone who comes through our gates, that that they recognise that every creature, regardless whether it's, it's the large rookery that we have here in the park, that not everybody welcomes, certainly when they start to harass you for food. But hmm. it's just... I think if you take the time out to actually learn about them, uh, rooks belonging to the corvid family, they're just an amazing species. Um, and we've certainly learned a lot about them here in Lockdown when we got to know them all the better, I suppose, when um, they became a little bit more dependent on us for food. So I suppose my role here is to ensure that 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 you just, you just appreciate what's around you. Um, and it's not just the exotics that we have here in the wildlife park. We're also home to a huge diversity of, of indigenous or native wildlife species and we incorporate those two two aspects into all of our education modules here in Fulter as well. Yeah. Now you've got the the APC people are down with a remarkable display, and the bees people are down with another great display. Like you really are working working. It's it's very much about education. It's not just about seeing the attractions. It's very much about learning for the people taking part. It is, and I think you know it opens children's eyes to to what could possibly be a career for them in later life. Um, I suppose we have so many experts coming from the likes of the APC Centre in UCC and obviously, as you mentioned, the School of Biological Earth and Environmental Sciences, which would be my old alma mater, so to speak. Um, so they, they will be on hand to answer questions for any budding scientists or any budding zoologists or people who just genuinely have an interest in pursuing some aspects of a scientist's career as well at a later mm. stage. Now you've got one as well at the end of the month, which is the Native Species Weekend. This is one that's really close to my heart, I have to, to admit. Um, I suppose when people think of Photo Wildlife Park, they, they automatically assume that the that what we're focusing on would be the exotics that we keep here in the park. Um, but certainly when, when I set up the education programme here back in 1995, um, I felt that it was really, really important that, that students coming through our gates and, and members of the general public, that they recognise that we have a wealth of native biodiversity. But often we overlook it. Um, so I suppose we're, we're giving people an opportunity to see some rather rare species, large birds of prey like white-tailed seagulls. Um, we have a lot of preserved specimens. I need to, to, to I suppose, emphasise the fact that these are preserved specimens uh, that people have an opportunity to see up close and personal. And the staff will be on hand then as well to, to explain about their, their numerous adaptations and features that aid their survival and, and some interesting facts about them. And then there's the big bug bonanza in August. The big bug bonanza is certainly for the bug enthusiast. Um, we have a number of, of private individuals that are kindly will come on site uh, over the course of the weekend of the 13th and 14th of August. Um, they have a huge array of invertebrates. So everything from stick insects, we will have um, we'll have a lot of arachnids or spiders here for, for those of you have arachnophobia, you might have to pass that stand, let it be said. Um, <laughs> But our own scientists will be on hand as well from the from the tropical house here 
Um, so you'd have an opportunity to see our, our Madagascan thick insects, which are just mesmerizing uh, amongst a, a huge diversity of others as well. So, so I think over the course of those three weekends that we're running from next weekend right through until the mid mid August, so to mm. speak, uh, there should be something there that will that will entice people to actually visit Photo Wildlife Park. Not just because it's one of the best things in Cork, obviously. PJ, as yeah. you mentioned, I'd uh, have yeah. to stress that. They are, they are, that I that thought was, I'd get the plug in early. You, you might as well. You might. You might as well. Now, <laughs> exactly. the admission to the admission to the educational feature they're included in the price of your entry ticket. Yes, they are. Um, and if where it's going to be held, because a lot of people may be confused on entries to where exactly they need to go. But if they can find the penguin enclosure, then the uh, exhibition marquee is directly to the left of the penguin enclosure. So it's it's a very large marquee that we use for events like these. Um, but also it's it's we're very conscious, of course, of, of, of COVID times and health and safety of the many patients that pass through our gates as well. So it's a wide open space. It has a large capacity. Um, but again, we ask people to, to to bear in mind things like hand sanitization when they're going from one stand yeah. to the next, and staff will be there to advise as well. Can we like ask you something now that you mentioned it um, with regard to the penguins? How do they and they're, they're, they're fabulous lads? How do they handle the, the hot summer days? You see, I think most people, when you mention um, the word penguin, they automatically assume that they only originate from from cold climates. Right. Well, in actual fact. It's the king and the emperor penguin that you find in places like Antarctica or close to Antarctica. Uh, but for the other remaining um, subspecies, you actually find them in very warm climates. And, and those that we have here in Photo Wildlife Park, they're called Humboldt penguins so um, or Peruvian penguins. So they actually come from far warmer uh, areas than, than what we're currently experiencing here in Photo. So a penguin is not a penguin is not a penguin. <laughs> well, exactly. So they're 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 not always. People often get confused that they think that uh, something like penguins are a prey species for polar bears, but of course they're found. One is found to the North Pole, one is found further south. So very, very different. Brilliant. The two will never meet, let it be said. Brilliant, brilliant. And I, that's right. Yeah. That, 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 yeah. And you have the Humboldt there, which is the, the warm the warm weather penguin, as it were. No, I just wanted well, to ask I, it. I, yeah, go on. I think all the staff are a little bit envious of the moment because, of course, they have they have the the natural source of water that comes in from the harbour. And mm-hmm. um, so, not only can they feed for themselves here during the summer months if they choose to do so, mm-hmm. but my God, have they been basking? Let it be said over the the last week or two, taking advantage of the heat, but also taking advantage of dipping in the pool when yeah, they feel like they it. So, own, they um, swimming pool. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. I'm sure they feel far more sorry for us than we do for them at the moment. Overall, finally, Linda, are you busy? We are absolutely. Um, we're 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 very very busy. Let it be said at the moment. Um, of course, we'll never be too busy. We'll encourage people, as many people, to come to us as as we possibly can, because as you know, we are a charity. PJ, we are dependent on gate receipts to to be sustainable. Um, and people from all over Ireland have just been amazing in terms of the level of support that we've received uh, over the last two years, and and that certainly has kept us afloat. Um, and hopefully this season. Our busy season, obviously, is the three months of the, the summer, June, July and August. So we're hoping to welcome thousands more patrons between now and the end of August, just before kids return to school. Fantastic. So, so thankfully we are. And a big thank you to everyone who does support us. Marvellous. And a great facility to have on our doorstep. Photo Wildlife Park. PhotoWildlife.ie is their website. You can book online. You get a, a discount on your entry ticket if you book online. Linda McSweeney, Head of Education at Photo. Thank you. Oh, 818 96 96 96. 
Simon Murdoch and the best music mix. Weekdays from midday on Cork's 96FM. It's the show that races you through the afternoon in Cork with all your favourite tunes, giveaways and everything that's happening Leaside from 12 after the opinion line here on Cork's 96FM. There is a super moon coming. A uh, fantastic super moon. You don't get too many of these. And they light up the night sky. And if we get a clear night, which I think we will tonight by the look of it, uh, we're going to get a fantastic night of beautiful moonlight. More on that in a sec. But it was on this time yesterday we started to see the first glimpses of the pictures from the web uh, telescope. This extraordinary piece of kit that is a million kilometres away out in the universe and has sent back photographs from some of the light in it from 13 billion years ago. Think about that. 13,000 million years ago. The light is that old in these pictures. But for a science fiction fan like myself and talking to Pierce McCarthy this morning as well, the same. The people who made programs like Star Trek and Blake Seven and the writers of Star Wars and so many, they got it so right because that's exactly what that picture looked like yesterday. It looked like the opening sequence from any science fiction show of your choice. Alan Gilson is head of research at Blackrock Castle Observatory. It was the most incredible photograph, isn't it, Alan? Good morning. Uh, good morning, PJ. Yeah, it is. It's an absolutely stunning image. Um, and, you know, it's, it might be 20 years in the making, but it was absolutely worth the wait. Um, it, it shows incredible detail of some of the most distant um, objects in the entire universe. And it has this unique way of, um, of, of showing them and presenting them to us with all this kind of, um, for anyone who hasn't seen it, please do go look it up. Um, but it has this w- unique curvature to Gosh. some elements of it. Yeah, I was looking um, at that. Is, is that a curved picture? The it lensing is. effect. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Oh, that that's actually in that's in the cosmos. That's nothing to do with anything on the telescope itself. That's actually in the cosmos. Oh, really? Oh, I thought it was an effect yes. of the picture. No, no, no. So there's gravi- there's there's elements of gravitational lensing. So some of those elements that we see are actually behind a galaxy, and the galaxy is bending the light from beyond it around it, and then into our telescope. So we're, it's actually acting like a lens. That's even, um, and that's so even we're actually seeing some things that are beyond. Yeah. That's even more fascinating. It's, it's very again. unique. And like 13 and a half billion years ago, that's that's the distance of the speed of light. So is it yes. possible, Alan, that some of the things in that picture, some of the entities in that picture no longer actually exist? Oh, yeah, I think that's that's distinctly likely for some of them. Certainly some of the star elements that we can see. Um, will have gone through uh, their their stellar life cycle. Mm. Um, so, in terms of the galaxies themselves, they probably do exist. Mm. Some of them, which seems to look like they are merging with other galaxies, they probably would have completed that merge by now. Um, so, mm. they would have made an even bigger galaxy. Mm. Um, so, it would look it would look different if we were to take the equivalent of what they are at now. But unfortunately, we're going to have to wait for another 13 billion years. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Now, in terms of what scientists can do, uh, apart from stand back in sheer wonderment, and I think it's fair to say, Alan, even the most experienced science watchers and space watchers 
are their jaws hit the table when when they saw this photograph. What yeah. can we do with the information in it? The information in it is is absolutely um, it's pivotal in our understanding of the universe that we actually live in. So what by looking this far back in into the past, but also that far into the early formation of the universe. And don't forget, this was only a 12 and a half hour long exposure of the telescope. Yeah. It has plans to do much longer. So look much further again. We ain't seen um, nothing yet. Like, yeah. We ain't seen nothing yet. Um, so, um, but what we're doing is, is when we look at the very early formation of the universe, what we're trying to do is understand the very nature of when the universe started, everything that's happened since can be traced back to that. So even the, even the formation of our own sun, that all started way back 13.8 billion years ago. So we need to understand what happened way back then so that we can understand what's happening now and we can then potentially project what's going to happen into the future. See, that's, um, that, that's something else that... Um I think I went over people's heads, certainly went over mine for a while, was that picture, the sun above us in the sky right now, didn't exist? Didn't exist. Wow. Yeah. That's, yeah, it, that's it, it, phenomenal. Yeah, it wasn't, wasn't even an infant. It just it didn't exist at all. Um, it was just a big ball of, of, of potential gas at that time. Um, right. Uh, so, and, and you know the uh, way the, the, the laws of physics, we look into the universe for them to be proven and sometimes disproven and changed and with mm-hmm. physics come the laws of, of mathematics. Like, does study of physics and maths benefit from pictures like this? Oh, absolutely. Um, so we, we can see from, so that was one image. Yeah. Um, you, you may have seen, again, if you haven't, please go look it up. There are a number of images that were released yesterday, um, and these are going to happen much more regularly uh, as the years, days, months, and years go on, actually. Um, but there were five uh, images released yesterday, um, and a couple of them are, one is of a, uh, of a collapsing star. Yeah. Um, one is, uh, sorry, one of an exploding star, a dying star. Yeah. Um, that's uh, the Southern Ring. And another is of a, a star forming region called the Carina Nebula. And uh, that it's called the Cosmic Cliffs. You look it up. It's absolutely stunning. Um, yes. A whole load of gas and uh, stellar formation coming together, yeah. kind of like what our sun would have been yeah. a few billion years ago. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. A what lot we're of people... looking at when we're looking at this is, is by looking that far back, we're seeing the very fundamental of the physics. So what, we are all made of tiny little particles. To, to quote the famous astronomer Carl Sagan, we are all star stuff. We are all made of star stuff. So by understanding how all of these particles, the electrons, the molecules, all these small scale things, how these all behaved early, then we can start to understand how they're currently behaving as well. Alan, there's no way, and is there, with, with that picture now and the, and the pictures we've seen, there is no way we could be the only ones, is there, really, anymore? I, I, I think it's a, it's a very difficult argument to make now. I mean, when you consider that that image is only a grain of sand in the sky, then how many other grains of sand would you need to fill the sky? And each one of those grains of sand is going to have thousands and thousands of galaxies. 
all with billions and billions of stars. So it, the, the, the universe is teeming with stars and planets, absolutely teeming. We're swimming in it. We're like in an ocean of planets and stars. So to, to, I think it's getting more difficult to, uh, to imply that we are the only ones in the actual universe. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and, and the va- the vastness of it. I think that's the most stunning point that you make. Like what we saw in that picture. Look out the window at the the sunshine outside. Yeah, that big yellow ball wasn't even wasn't even thought about. It wasn't even it, it just didn't exist back then. It's it's phenomenal. Talk to me about the super moon, yeah. Alan. I've seen one of these before. Yeah. It's fabulous, mm. and we should have a good clear night for it. How does it happen first? Uh, so the supermoon is the, the moon isn't on a perfectly um, uh, circular orbit. So it kind of at certain points it comes a small bit closer to the Earth. Uh, so when it does that, when it comes about ninety within ninety percent of a full massive hundred percent full moon, we call it a supermoon. So it's it's about seven to ten percent bigger in the night sky, yeah. and about fifteen percent brighter. Yeah. Um, it and that's purely because it's it's that few thousand kilometers closer to us yeah um it's a very very striking phenomenon it it, this evening's moon will be reasonably late in the evening um you're you're talking 11 12 o'clock time frame before you'll you'll you'll, it'll be at least far enough above horizon and even at that it doesn't get too far above horizon from cork yeah um it's only about 10 11 degrees above horizon so, uh, you know, you need a good, clear sky uh, towards the south would be ideal. Um, south or southwest would, would be ideal. They're calling um, it the full book when, moon. If you do get it. The full It's book the book moon. moon, yeah. If we get a clear uh, night. The book moon and because... It, and it'll be around for so a couple of nights. The deer. The deer, yeah. It'll be around it, it, it will be particularly bright for as long as this full moon cycle, which is about another four to five days, it will be particularly bright. So a very nice time of... Um, of, of July, if if you do get a chance to go out and do some observing, then I would absolutely recommend it because you will get a beautiful moon. Yeah. And when you think about it, compared to the photograph that we've been looking at and the distance that the uh, telescope is out, the moon is only a mere three hundred and fifty-seven thousand four hundred and eighteen kilometers away from us. Sure, yeah. it's only down the road. Yeah. <laughs> so it's only down the road and. So, it, to, to, again, to put this into perspective, PJ, the light you're looking at when you look at the moon is about one light second. And that image we're seeing from the James Webb is 13 billion light years. Hang on a second now. So, Hang on a second. Yeah. This, is br- this is brilliant. <laughs> this is brilliant. So the moon, the light from the moon, that's the moon about a couple of seconds ago, correct? Yeah, yeah. And the picture from the web is 13.8 billion years ago. That, I think, says yeah. it says it all. Fascinating times. We live in absolutely fascinating times. Thank you very much. Alan Giltonen, who is head of research at Blackrock Castle Observatory. And I think everybody who's interested, remotely interested in space and exploration, and those of us who grew up as little boys on Saturday morning watching Star Trek or watching Star Wars or had Blake 7, myself and Pierce McCarthy, I think the only two Blake 7 fans in the building, look it up. It was so corny, it was daft, but it was great. And then to see this picture, like an, like an opening sequence, 
Fabulous. Absolutely fabulous. Come here, would you give us a hand with the music? We always ask you for a hand with the music, and you can win a hundred euro pennies voucher while you're at it. Uh, we have a music panel going again. It's a 10-minute survey at 96fm.ie to vote for the fresh new music that we play. Choose the tunes and you could win a 100 euro voucher for pennies. And that 10-minute uh, survey is active now at 96fm.ie. And we thank you in advance for being part of it with us. Now, we got an email from Anne, which I... Oh, no, you know what? I'll come back to that tomorrow, Fergal. And I still have to do those period comments from yesterday, but you'll remember we spoke to Hug a few weeks back, and then we spoke to Lisa, who'd called them, and she'd been through her own torrid experience. Good morning, Night 6 Vem. Thank you for promoting Hug on your show. I went to a meeting, and young, old, male, female attending. This is massive for people bereaved by suicide. Thank you so much, and please think of Hug for a charity event. Well, if anybody does want to do that, try to raise some money for a hug. Just let us know and we'll help you with it anytime. That's us done. The programme edited by Fiona Corker and produced and researched by Fergal Barry. See you tomorrow just after nine. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.